0: Listening live to, in much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here with you live on a Friday night, January the thirteenth, two thousand seventeen. I'm Dre. He's Jay. Wildcard weekend in the books and conference semifinals, divisional round, however you prefer to refer to it as, is on the horizon. Starting tomorrow, we got craziness already before the games even begin. We get craziness. We got games getting their time switched. We got weather issues. We got all sorts of things going on. Star receivers going down with injuries, not being able to make the games this weekend. And Jason, uh, you look like you had some peril there as far as making the show. But you once again make it. You get to, to to the start time just barely. I'm sure you had some drama that you had to deal with.
1: Yeah, had a little bit of a little bit of a fender bender here tonight. So, that's what happens. You have icy roads and you start to slide and you can't stop. And that's a very, uh, that's a very helpless feeling as I'm rolling up to a, a a stoplight in town where I work. And, uh, yeah, it happened. You know, you just start sliding. You're like, uh oh, the brakes aren't doing anything. You can't swerve. Yeah. So, you just kind of hold on and, you know, some, uh, Blue, blue words were coming out of my mouth (laughs) for sure. Oh, I'm sure. So it was, yeah, it was a little thing, a little, little, uh, little fender bender. So car's fine. I'm fine. Everybody's okay. You know, uh, you know, just a little bit of a bumper ding and get that looked at, get it to get the body work done. Watch my insurance premiums skyrocket and, and and go from there for first one of these I've ever had. So. I'm pretty. Uh, wow. I guess I'm happy. I guess I'm happy about that. I mean, but yeah, another one of those just unavoidable things. You're just rolling, and it's a red light, and you hit the brakes, and you can't stop.
0: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm afraid of that every time I drive in the in the rain down here. We don't get a lot of ice, of course, in the mid south. But yeah, every time there's some conditions that are not ideal, I always fear exactly that happening, where I hit the brakes and the brakes say, "Nope, I don't feel like it today." So. But they're definitely glad to hear that you're okay and that
1: everything turned out uh, as, about as well as they could. Yeah. And it just and it topped off just a complete shit day for me, too. I mean, a terrible work day. Just crappy people. I don't know. It's January the 13th, and we just have a full moon. And it, it just seemed to bring out the absolute worst in people. And I, I just had a r- ridiculously, ridiculously awful day at work. And top that all off. You know, it was just. I mean, it was almost one of those. Once it happened, all I could just kind of do is just drop my head and be like, "Yeah, if it's gonna happen, yeah. today's gonna be the day." This was, there was the perfect end to, uh, to a really lousy day. So I'm, yeah, I'm completely, uh, completely at peace with the fact that you. This means that you're probably just going to put the finishing touches on me here. So just. <laughs> You'll probably end up just putting me out of my misery. This will probably be we agree on all the picks, and then I've got to sit here and pick which one I have to disagree with you with. Not the way I want to go out. Hopefully, we disagree straight up, so I can you know go out like a man, go out on my feet. So be, be excited to see uh, if you leave me any any glimmer of hope to go into next week. Uh, although this is eerily reminiscent of our first season on air, where I you found yourself in this position that I'm in. And uh, this was the point that I finished you off. So it would be perfect uh, for you to go wire to wire with me and end me right now.
0: I'm certainly going for it. That's the plan. Uh, I don't want to finish you off in such uh, bad conditions where you're having such a crappy day. But if that's what happens, that's what happens. I have to take my wins where I can get them.
1: Or or this is my rallying. Or this is the start of my rally. You, You never know. This is your fight
0: song, take back your life song. Uh, That's right. Yeah, all the teams that, <laughs> that fought back last weekend and and got big victories. What a week for the division champions! They just routed all the wild card teams. No surprise, wild card Super Bowl champions coming this year because they all went down last weekend like a ton of bricks. Like no competitive games whatsoever. Basically, it, it was it was fascinating to to watch the way those games played they played themselves out.
1: Yeah, it was chalk and it was pretty ugly. I mean it wasn't it wasn't a real fun week of, of watching football. I mean, you had uh, it was the, there wasn't really a compelling game you know out of that bunch. I everybody just pretty much just went out there and you know, all the home teams just took care of their business uh, which they're supposed to do. Uh, but they, they, you know, yeah, the the Packers put all that Eli and his greatness to bed, which I was actually kind of g- glad to see, um, because we had to start here, and you know, and of course, neither one of us are on board with realizing that the thing that we said was true all year about how fraudulent the Giants were, and the Lions, and look what happened, the Giants and the Lions were frauds.
0: Yeah, we got the one right. We got Seattle knocking the Lions yeah. out of there, but. We went against ourselves. We went against Aaron Rodgers. We went. We, we put our money on the Giants, and after talking all that crap about it, the the Giants being frauds, yeah, that was uh, that was ridiculous. The way they went out, the best defense in football, and uh, and the Dolphins. Those are our two losses: were the Giants and the Dolphins. Yeah. The Dolphins just never got off the plane uh, against the Steelers. Uh, the biggest spread of the week, and it wound up being not nearly enough. So. So two and two for both of us last week. Uh, you could have you could have swept me if you just went against me in those Sunday games, but who knew? Yeah,
1: I, but I was I was supposed to know that too. I yeah. wouldn't be in the position I was in if I knew that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that
0: wild card weekend was uh, it, it started off ugly and it, and it finished ugly and and it was ugly in in between in the middle. Uh, how about the Raiders going out like that? Twelve and four, but lose two quarterbacks and then they have to go to Houston and put that effort out there. I mean, what else can you do? You know, you're down to Connor Cook and and you're playing against a really keyed up defense and there's pretty much nothing you could do about it. They got steamrolled and and went out about as bad as you could go out.
1: Yeah, it was the Ryan Lindley show. It was exactly what we thought it would be. Uh, My analogy for that game was, of course, that Cardinals at Panthers when the Panthers were just horseshit seven and nine division winner, but the Cardinals lost both of their starting quarterbacks. They lost Palmer and Stanton end up with Ryan Lindley. This had the exact same feel um, with the, with the Raiders losing Derek Carr, losing the backup, having to roll in there with, with Connor Cook. And it was absolutely painful to watch it wasn't even one of those where they were just outmatched they just they couldn't do anything i mean oakland had to scale everything back none of the skill position players ended up really mattering at all because they threw out a quarterback um statistically oh my god 3.6 yards per attempt your favorite number he had to throw the ball 45 times. You turn around the other side of the ball. Um, Brock Osweiler only had to throw the ball 25 times. Statistically, didn't have a gigantic game, but everybody knew what Houston was going to do. They were going to get after Connor Cook. They were going to force him into mistakes. He ends up throwing three picks and just plays an absolute horrendous game. And and there it is. You know, That's what you get, everybody. That, that's what happens when a third-string quarterback – A guy making his first ever nfl start has to uh basically go out there and just show the world that here's what i'm all about and i'm going to go on the road and i'm going to do it against the number one defense in the league
0: let's give the coaching staff the uh uh, part of the blame as well in play calling do you remember this Roll right throwback left screen that Connor Cook tried to throw that got picked off by Jadavian Clowney. What the hell was that? What are you doing? What? Oh, yeah,
1: the, the 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 tip drill, you know, where he's tipping yeah, the ball to himself. Yeah.
0: What has Cook shown you in his little bit of action and in practice that makes you think he could have pulled that off? Why would you even try something like that? So that's the yeah, code. That's yeah. on coaching.
1: Yeah. Put you in a, no, in a hole very right.
0: early. Uh, They said during the game on commentary that Jack Del Rio claimed uh, that he wanted to go to Matt McGloin at some point in this game because Cook was playing so bad. But the coaches, the other coaches uh, talked him out of it. So what that means is. The guy that was the gambler all year, the riverboat gambler, taking chances, this is the one time he needed to gamble and take a chance, and he didn't do it. So he didn't gamble at the wrong time. So this is the time that he needed to actually do something like that, and he didn't do it. Because Connor Cook
1: had no chance in that game from Jump Street. No, absolutely. I, I even as a comparative, I went back and looked at the game that I talked about. I looked at that Ryan Lindley game. Real Eerily similar we have the Panthers no win 20, Jump the Panthers win that game 27-16 right Arizona is actually winning that game at halftime would you believe it um oh, but you forgot about that Ryan Lindley 16 for 28 for 82 yards <laughs> your your favorite stat 2.9 yards per <laughs> attempt very very connor cook like a touchdown and two picks 44 rating uh, quarterback rating connor cook had a 30 quarterback rating a th- you know measly 3.5 3.6 yards per attempt and three picks that's what happens no matter how good the rest of your team is with with all the talent in the world the raiders were an immensely more talented group than houston especially on the offensive side of the ball But you just you handed the keys to the car to a kid, and he crashed the car. That's what happened. And it's an analogy coming from me today, and a day that I have a car wreck. (laughs) Yeah, very good. I I see what you did there.
0: Thank you. Um, And and what does it say about Brock Osweiler that this effort was considered good? That what that he actually looked like an NFL quarterback at times, and people were
1: marveling like that was a great game that he had. Almost feels condescending. Like if Brock Osweiler shows up and, and he plays mediocre, you just gotta got oh just oh good job Yay. Brock! Yay. He yeah, he made a throw! Yay! Um, yeah, I mean, that's but that's all he had to do. Houston got up. The game was really never never in any doubt. They were they led the whole way. They didn't have to to blow the doors off of the Raiders. They just had to basically get a lead, and let that defense sit on it and, and run away, run away and hide. Let the defense take over. Um, you could see that Connor Cook wasn't going to bring, yeah, they, they wasn't going to bring him back, and they kept showing Matt McLoone on the sideline with the helmet on, like I'm re- ready to go <laughs> in the game. Put me in, Coach. Put me in, Coach. Well, why would the coaches even talk Jack Del Rio out of putting? Were they not watching the game? Didn't they see what was happening? It couldn't get worse. Well, it's the same coaching staff. that
0: called a roll, right, throwback, left screen for <laughs> Cook that got picked up. <laughs> I don't know if you want to listen to those guys anyway.
1: Right. Yeah. That is. Yeah. With with, with, the, with the, doing the volleyball, batting the ball to himself and then falling on it. And I mean that even that even got some cheers uh, at my job. Some people <laughs> see in that play just because it was so athletic.
0: Yeah, I was I was that 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 spasm of decent play that just drives you crazy because he plays a pretty much a crap game the whole way, and then he all of a sudden here's a bullet to Will Fuller, here's a go route to New Hopkins down the sideline for 38, just drops it in the bucket, zips that slant pass uh, from three yards out for a touchdown. Uh, just that spasm, like oh, there's there's some. There's some quarterback play. There's he actually looks pretty good. That's what drives you insane about the. There's a reason he got a $72 million contract is because he has spasms where he looks like an NFL quarterback. And it just drives you insane when he plays the rest of the way and and doesn't look anything like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you get to sing a different tune this week. This isn't this isn't the Raiders rolling in with a third string quarterback. Houston's going to be facing a li- little bit, slightly, a little bit larger uh test here, going to New England this week.
0: And Houston got to, to pin their ears back on defense and come after Connor Cook. And once they got that lead, they made him look terrified. And you, you you know what that looked like that 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 kind of looks like what a defense does to I don't know Tom Brady. That's kind of how you beat Tom Brady. Just by the way, that's not foreshadowing my pig necessarily, but that's kind of how you do it. You, you get after him, you make him terrified, you, you beat his ass and you bust him in the fucking mouth and, and that's that's how it goes. So, you know,
1: maybe it's not about it's not that's a little more, I don't know, primal as far as like just beat him up and make him make him afraid. I don't think that's what it is, is I think that that offense of the Patriots is so reliant on timing that I don't think Brady gets rattled as much as I think that he gets, you know, out of sync, if that makes sense. Um, Where it's this, basically he's throwing balls to guys before they're even into their breaks. And when you're watching the rush in your face, that's really hard to do. So I don't know if it's an issue. Brady's been around a long time. I don't think he, you know, I don't think he gets scared or he wilts under pressure. But if you can really get after him with four, especially if you can get after him with four and have those guys in coverage, filling up spaces, you know, taking away some of those angles on all these timing routes, because you don't really see this Patriots team anymore. You don't see Brady in them. They, They don't, it's not about extending plays. It's pretty much one, two, boom, ball comes out, you know. And really quick, and everything looks very, when they look in rhythm, you know, it it is like, you know, it's like a metronome going back and forth watching that offense move down the field. It's just like, you know, they're just moving that thing. They really don't care too much about the running game. So that's the key for the Patriots is can you throw, can you get them off schedule, you know, more than anything else. And that's, you know, and Denver did that. And we'll see if Houston can do that.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying, that. Denver game last year, Brady doesn't look rattled or scared in any other game, but he sure the fuck did last year after Von <laughs> Miller came and got him a few times. He started looking around before the, the rush even got there after a while. So
1: we'll see how we pick and that game later on. And they still came a two-point conversion away from tying that game.
0: hmm
1: This is true. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, the other game we got right last week, the Lions go into Seattle and put up six points. That, that great Matthew Stafford offense uh, gets reduced <laughs> to nothing. It's so hard to beat any team in the, in the NFL, but any team, I mean any team, high school, college, whatever. You have no running game and you refuse to throw to Richard Sherman's side. That's really hard to compete when you're basically any play you, throw, you have, it's going to be a throw to two thirds of the field. That's it. You're not going to run. You're not going to throw to Richard Sherman's side. You're only going to throw to someone open within these two-thirds of the football field, and that's how we're going to try to win an NFL game. No, that's that's not going to work.
1: No, all I remember that game for is you sending me a text halfway through the first quarter that just says, Paul Richardson, (laughs) seriously?
0: Oh my God! The 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 catches that he was making, that just the one for the touchdown, the first one. Yeah. That's when I sent you the text. Then he went on to make two more miraculous catches after that. So, uh, X Factor uh, jackpot once again
1: for for Jason. Unbelievable. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm good for those every yeah you know, but one a season. I can I can have a good one. Um, I had a feeling. Um, I, you know, I expected it more as a deep threat um just you know take the top off of that Detroit defense i did not pick this because of his circus catch ability <laughs> you know i was not expecting you know Barnum and baileys out there but that that touchdown catch that he made i mean it's it's all it's, it's indescribable the catch you know sort of roll i almost like he caught it it's like when we would play madden it was the old madden before the graphics improved and like it would look like the guy caught the ball <laughs> through through his back <laughs> like the dude, hey he wasn't even looking for it, and all of a sudden the balls you know poop balls on the guy. Now now you can't get that. You know, you see the ball no. like rotate right into the guy's hands and everything, but it, it, that really was um that, that was, the thing that was of a thing catch. So Paul Richardson yeah. is now a game glitch. Yeah, so that was uh it added something to that offense. Um uh, that they needed somebody somebody to make some plays, but of course it was uh Chris Doug
0: Collins Chris actually called him a factor. He actually said it in the oh. game. And I'm like, No, oh. you can't say that. Jason did it first. You can't call him a factor. <laughs> Jason already did that.
1: I was yelling this at the TV screen as he did that. Thank you. Well at least you're sticking up. You're sticking up for your guy. Thank you. Um hey. but yeah, Doug Baldwin you, though, you Mr. Did. Mr. Reliable though, in that offense. Is, you know, just there and Thomas Rawls goes insane in that new, game. New beast. Yeah. How about that ass catch by Baldwin? What the hell was
0: that? It was just, just that kind of night for the Seahawks, I guess. you know.
1: Yeah. That's, it, it, they're at home. We'll see <laughs> if this translates into road success for them this week. Um, but yeah, Detroit, pretty much though, think about the way they went out. They're at 9-4, and four, complete control, and then they lose to four straight playoff teams. It was another legitimacy game for the Lions. What happened? It was it was an illegitimacy game for the Lions.
0: You can't keep losing all these legitimacy bowls because yeah, you become illegitimate after a while. That's yeah. uh and Jim Caldwell is going to keep his job because of that 9 and 4 start, but you look at that finish and you go is he really the right guy is this really going to be any better next year i don't know if it is or not
1: yeah no the, the lions run for what 49 yards that's pathetic that's about what i thought they would though i mean it's that's
0: pretty much exactly what i had them going for but again the, the ignoring one side of the field that richard sherman is on is you're trailing at, at some point you just do it because you you have no other options, and you just why not? You know, what the hell is you know, let's test them off, see what happens. It's you can't win like that. Trying to cut off one third of the field is, is just not going to work at all. But some big drops as well by the Lions didn't help. Uh, Eric Ebron dropped a, a third down, Golden Tate dropped a third down, Marvin Jones had a big drop, uh, in the third quarter, I believe that could have gone. All the way for for a touchdown, he just let it slip out of his hands. So not only now you're working with no running game, you're ignoring one side of the field. And when you do find some open receivers, they're dropping out on the ground. They, they had no chance. The, the yeah. theme of the of the weekend for all four of the wild card teams, eventually you
1: got to the point where you looked up and said, these guys have
0: no chance to win the game.
1: Right. Yeah. And that was a competitive game. You know, even going into the fourth quarter, I mean, it was, it was a one-score game, but it was one of those one-score games that still felt over.
0: Right, it was a one-score game because the Seattle offense is not where it's supposed to be right now. Even right. that so touchdown, that the, the the Paul Richardson circus catch yeah. touchdown. Think about what that was: third and goal at the two, play fake for Russell Wilson, who has to, to throw it away because the. The pressure got to him. What are you doing? Did we not see this in the Super Bowl? I wanted to, t- I wanted them to cut away to Richard Sherman at that point to see what his reaction was. Like, what are we doing? Are we doing this again? And so fourth and two, <laughs> they don't kick the field goal, they go for it, they ran another play fake, and yep. that's when Richardson made his circus catch. So Darrell Bell just likes to live on the edge, he just wants to ignore any running attack when it's one yard or two yards to go to get to the goal line. He's just out there uh on a ledge and And so that offense is still not very impressive. That's why that game was actually competitive, but it wasn't
1: anything the Lions offense was doing, yeah, I was waiting for him to cut away, just you know, after those two calls, cut away to Tom Brady with his hands on his head going, "Oh my God, Like you know, when they won the Super Bowl, <laughs> yeah, because of that. So yeah, like Tom Brady like, "Oh my God, we won I mean that's just <laughs> that was like it was like a World Series, you know. Um, when when the Cubs get the go ahead, running the tenth inning of Game Seven, and Anthony Rizzo gets to third base, and he's got his hands on his head, going, <laughs> "Oh my god!" You know, like he just can't believe what's happening. Yeah, that that's how you kind of feel with that Seattle offense. You're like, "What are you doing?" Uh, oh, so yeah, the twenty six, the twenty six is a little deceiving, if you ask me. Right, because um, that was a lot of late points.
0: Yeah, early on, it was it was tough coming. It was uh, 10 to 6 at halftime and a uh, 10 to 3 at halftime and eventually 10 to 6. Yeah, it, it was it was definitely late coming with that offense. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know about Russell Wilson. I still don't quite know if he's there yet. I'm look. I'm watching him, but I still can't really tell. Uh, he, he did not try to run much in this game. He he still hasn't tried to run much since all of his uh, knee and ankle problems earlier in the year. And it really changes the dynamic of the team when you don't have that element. So they overcame it this time, but uh, we'll see about the next game. I I don't know what the the Dolphins could have been saying when Pittsburgh came out and did what they did to them. I I have nothing to say about the Steelers. I have nothing bad to say about that. They they just came out and and beat that ass. I mean it's just and those triplets did they did they look a little fresh after uh, not playing at all the week before? I think they looked a little fresh. They had their own little bye week there, and it, it worked out perfectly for them.
1: And they didn't need to play. And you know, and it turned, and it turned out that Miami, though my, Miami, just didn't show up at all. No. I mean, we we vastly overestimated Miami's effort or lack thereof. Um, they couldn't stop Pittsburgh on the running uh, running attack. Uh, Roethlisberger basically threw the two big early touchdowns and and and, and stopped. I mean, That's Roethlisberger. Yeah, uh, uh, Roethlisberger had a 50-yard touchdown and a 62-yard touchdown, so he had 112 yards of touchdown passes in 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 passing yardage uh halfway through the first quarter. Finished with 197 yards for the game. Yeah. So that was, hey, we got the lead, guys. We're just going to sit on this thing, and then it was, and then it was the Le'Veon Bell show the whole rest of the game. And my Miami is just giving up eight, nine. Eleven, just just chunks on the ground. I mean, there was Pittsburgh was in second and two, second and one, third and one the whole game. You're not going to win a game like that. And then you have Matt yes. Moore gets his no. gets his brain scrambled on a, just a hellacious hit, dirty hellacious hit. Gets knocked out of the game for one play, but comes somehow just and he was down on the ground, out for a while. It was one of those. Services like, for Matt Moore you know. will be
0: held tomorrow morning, by yeah. the way.
1: You don't know who he is. He didn't know who he was, where he was, anything. And he's back in the game the next and he didn't play. He played okay, you know, on the on the stat sheet, but he didn't come back into that game. You know, <laughs> somebody yeah. else came back into that game. He didn't know who the hell he was um which made me start to wonder a little bit again though you know about this whole you know concussions and we're worried about the you know we're protecting the players but they let that guy take that hit and get cleared after one play to come back in the game and you see guys for a whole hell of a lot less go back to the locker room or go into concussion protocol and oh wouldn't you know it it's in the news now that the dolphins are being looked into by the league uh, for their handling of that very situation.
0: Now, now now, you shouldn't have done that, you naughty naughty dolphins. No, you yeah. don't have to wonder about the concussion protocol cuz it's bullshit and you know it and everybody knows it. Yeah.
1: That's yeah, the same I was thing we like talk about all the time with uh, Cam Newton. We could just he just talk his way back uh, out of the field even though even though he just got like, you know, even though he's looking out Matt Moore was basically looking out of his ear hole. Yeah goes through that bro. all the time too oh yeah that was that was a straight up that was a dirty jacked up
0: that's what I was wondering while I was watching that hit by bud Dupree like that yeah. was like in the olden days of football that's what kind of hit that was it reminded me of like the yeah. 80s. And I'm not sure, I'm actually not sure if if football is better or worse that those kind of hits are illegal now. Cause that wasn't a dirty hit back then, like the, the the Super Bowl Shuffle Bears days. That was absolutely not a dirty hit. And now it is, and, and it's absolutely should be as far as today's rules go. I, I absolutely agree that it is a a flaggable. Offense and a dirty play, and, and, and in some cases, Dupree may have even been thrown out of the game because it was, it, if it was college, he would yeah. have been thrown out because it would have been a targeting penalty.
1: Yeah, I, I was shocked. Really I was shocked. Than, and, then he gets he into, and then after that, he's getting into fights. Yeah, the, the Dolphins kind of like, he's, okay, the Dolphins, you know, we're getting punked already. Exception. Yeah, the Dolphins took a little exception to their quarterback getting decapitated. And uh, of course, then the Dolphins get flagged after the hit, the the, the you know, the, the unnecessary roughness, blow to the head. Yeah. So it basically cancels out the penalty yardage. But if there's a case for like, hey, come on, you know, the refs, there was a lot of back and forth. And then they end up flagging the Dolphins and penalizing them just as badly for what you saw blatantly happen to their quarterback. You're like, uh, yeah, come on guys. I
0: mean, let that should have been
1: off oh, that or, or you just throw something offsetting because the Pittsburgh guys were, were fighting too. Um, but you know, the ref, the refs, Oh, 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 oh we saw something. We, we saw somebody get in trouble. And then they throw the, the, the flag. And then, then they give the warning to the guy who from Miami got flagged for the, you know, the unnecessary roughness or, um, unsportsmanlike conduct. Oh, that one more of those, and he's out of the game. But Bud Dupree, you're just fine. <laughs> you're yeah, all right. Keep, just keep just keep spearing the other team's quarterback <laughs> in the brain. Because again, in
0: the old days, that wasn't a dirty hit. That was that was a Dick Butkus type hit. Like, oh, this is what a man's hit looks like. They used mm-hmm. to build the NFL oh, Films yeah. library on hits just like that, and now they don't. And I guess it's supposed to be for the better of the game, but sometimes I wonder, you know, because there's so many things that happen that aren't safe anyway, and but we're gonna flag stuff like that and pretend like we care, but we really don't. Because like you said, he got right back up and went in the game anyway. If we actually cared,
1: he wouldn't have gotten back in the game. But I remember I, I'm watching that and I'm like, oh no, no, don't come back in the game. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what do you yeah, you're I mean I felt worried for him? I felt bad. Like, what is he doing? What are you doing? Yeah. How did they let him back in the game? That was the conversation with me and the group of people that are watching that game is wait a minute, no. Just, just stop. <laughs>
0: Just wave it off. Just wave off the game. There's no point. You're not going to win the game anyway. You're already down uh, twenty to three at that point, I believe. It, it might even be been uh, farther along than that. But yeah, it, it wasn't going well for the Dolphins anyway. And the thing about it is, you get that early lead that the Steelers get. Now they get to come. Try to kill the quarterback, and and that's exactly what they did. But more importantly, it takes away the Dolphins' best offensive game plan, which is the running games with J.H.I. So he was done pretty much from from the rest of the game because you can't run the ball anymore. You're down too much, and you got to throw, and and that's it. It, The Dolphins are finished. And and Adam Gay said, I'm still a fan, but you can't really create a game plan to come back from 20 to 3 and your quarterback is Matt Moore and your receivers aren't all that. And it it was just – Completely uh, a
1: terrible day for Miami from the moment they they got to the stadium, yeah. and nothing went their way. I mean, if you're gonna put if, if I put my finger on the exact moment when I knew that game was over, it was the strip sack right before halftime, uh, because the Dolphins are about to score some points, potentially yeah. score a touchdown. I think they were at the eight yard line, and you got James Harrison just rolls around the edge, strips Matt Moore, Pittsburgh recovers. And instead of that potentially going into halftime as a one-score game, with Miami getting the kickoff and a little momentum, all the air came out of the balloon. And uh, there's James Harrison again making a huge play right before halftime, re- very reminiscent of the the pick six that he had in the Super Bowl uh, against the Cardinals as time expired in the first half. If he had <laughs> stepped out of bounds or gotten – I mean, time was done. If he had tripped, fallen, anything – Stepped on the sideline, any of that, but somehow rambled all the way for the touchdown. And here he is again, right before halftime, making what at that point to me was the turning point in the game. A lot of people are going to go, no, it was those first two touchdowns for Pittsburgh. Miami kind of weathered that and things started to tighten. And, you know, if you could go into halftime at 20 to 13 and be getting the second half kickoff, maybe it's a different game, but you get the strip sack, they're down Two touchdowns coming out of that. They get the ball after halftime. Do absolutely nothing with it. There's your ball game right there. Those two possessions, the two the the, the bookends to the half, and that's the game to me. That was when I knew it's over. When Miami could didn't do and couldn't do anything with either one of those possessions, and one of those at the Pittsburgh eight yard line. It's amazing how long ago that James Harrison uh, Super Bowl touchdown was, and he's still
0: going. That guy is incredible. Yeah. He's got some fountain of youth discovery
1: that he needs to sell to the well, rest of us. Uh, I hinted something in your tone there.
0: Uh, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, the uh, Giants Green Bay, the main event of the weekend. This is... The, the media uh, portion of the show where I get to, to body slam the media. And of course the media was going to have a lot of hype for this game because it's the giants with, with New York and it's yeah. green Bay and green Bay being green Bay always gets a lot of media attention. So uh, two fronts on, on the media slamming that I will do and then I'll turn it over to you. But first of all, as, as I already hinted at earlier in the show, this is the best defense in football, the New York giants, dad, was the best defense in all of football. That was a Super Bowl caliber defense. What? All of you that said that, please take your heads off your necks right now and shove them all up your collective asses. All of you, right now. Take your heads off your necks and shove them up your ass. That was not the best defense in football. I told you that before the game, and it's true after the game. And I'm an idiot for picking the Giants, despite all the overhype and knowing that they were frauds and knowing that that defense being the best in football was a joke and Aaron Rodgers made it seem like even more of a joke uh, once the game started. And really, he had like one bad throw the the first series on. Uh, he had all day on third down, but tried to throw a bomb for Jared Cook and he didn't set his feet, which is his big problem anyway. Uh, and, and after that, he actually started setting his feet, and you saw what happened. Once he started doing that. So, the best defense in football, my fucking ass. So, get that out of here in a second of all. You already know where I'm going to go with this one. Fuck you, Joe Buck, and fuck you, Troy Aikman, and fuck you, everybody else, suggesting that the Giants wide receivers were somehow affected by a trip to Miami six days before the game, and that made them drop some passes in Green Bay. Get the fuck out of here with that, man. Come on. That's the dumbest shit. And only people who have never actually enjoyed themselves before a big game or before a big event would say something like that. Only the type of people – Joe Buck strikes me as the type of guy that goes to bed the night before a job interview at like 8 o'clock to be extra rested and extra ready and extra whatever to, to get up and and be his best because some people have to do it like that. Others don't others actually get to go enjoy their lives and, and get a couple of pictures taken as they're enjoying their lives and then get back to work six days later and play the game. Odell Beckham dropped some passes. I've seen him drop passes in games before, maybe not quite this many, but I've seen it happen before. Uh, he made the wall pay apparently in green Bay for, for all the passes that he dropped, but I don't know if they're going to, if they've repaired that yet or not, Uh, but this please stop it with the, the, the trip to Miami somehow made them less prepared And, and, and even going half assed the way I think Troy Aikman sort of suggested it was, he tried to play it both ways. He suggested it was ridiculous that the trip, the, the thought that the trip made them worse at football six days later. He, he suggested that that was kind of stupid and then he went on to say, but when you do make a trip like that, you open yourself up to the type of people to say, no, don't, don't do that. Don't go half-ass. Either you say that that cost them the game or just say it's ridiculous to suggest that. But don't say, well, it's ridiculous, but when you did that, that's that mealy-mouthed namby-pamby bullshit. I can't stand that. Just All of you that even suggested that that had anything to do with the laws. Please, just just, just go fuck yourselves. Get out of my face.
1: Yeah, when, when all the buzz lately, the, the buzzword is fake news, right? That's the big buzz now with all your politics and everything. I mean, it's fake news. And you got Joe Buck creating fake news <laughs> during the
0: broadcast. No. And I hate to say it, but there's that trip to Miami six days ago. It might
1: you, be lingering here. What do you th- you know? And and I loved it because he brings it up. It's total news to me. I had no clue about this. I, all the pregame nothing. Then all of a sudden, there's a picture of them on uh, on the beach all together, like as a group on their day off, mind you. wasn't like they like skipped out on the team and said, "Ah, fuck all you guys. We're too good for the team." We're going to Miami. Ha. They went to Miami as a group on their day off. And somehow going out on your day off and doing something like that, taking a trip which which you can do it's your day off, somehow affected their performance in like 5 degree weather almost a week later in Green Bay that they dropped some footballs because on their day off, they went out and enjoyed themselves. How would this be any different than if they all went out clubbing in New York (laughs) the night before or something happened? I mean, these guys, they, they they did nothing wrong. So you've got Joe Buck completely blow this up, and I'm hearing it in the broadcast, and that even puts on my radar like, What is he talking about? And as I hear more of him talking about it, it's completely ridiculous. He throws it over to Aikman (laughs) and Aikman completely just dismisses it. He's so dismissive of it. No, I don't think it's a big deal, Joe. But I think he realized that, uh uh-oh, I just kind of threw my booth mate here under the bus so I better like sort of bail him out a little bit because he's going on and on and on about this stupid boat trip, and then the New York media grabs it and they're making headlines about it. And, and this, this isn't like the boat trip. I mean, we all know about the boat trip. It's not That's that boat different. trip. That's a boat. Yeah, this isn't that. I didn't this see any these sex guys toys on that out. picture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, we didn't have Bryant McKinney. Going down on hookers, <laughs> ah, hall of infamy right there. Good job, Bryant McKinney. Oh, boy. why would you? That's like looking at toilet. Who would do that? <laughs> that's
0: infamous, all right. Uh.
1: Was she paying him? <laughs> Who's paying who
0: here? I don't know. Yeah, like I said, Troy Aikman did the the, the half-ass thing where he dismissed
1: it and yeah. then came back. But if you're going to do yeah, that, it, makes, though, it leaves you open for oh. I think I think Troy kind of realized that he left Joe hanging out to dry and he kind of fell on his sword a little bit because Aikman's initial reaction was extremely dismissive, almost aggressively dismissive, even for Aikman, who's like boring as hell. Um, unless the Cowboys are on these really boring (laughs) and, and, you know, they always hate them up. They hate those guys up here because they're, they're they're convinced that Buck and Aikman just hate the Packers, but it was really hard to hate the Packers because they were just lighting up the Cowboys. Um, and and even after Jordy Nelson, um, we knew it was ribs right away. I mean I'm yeah, like that's that. That, that's 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 ribs that's kidney that's a lot of bad shit when you actually see the helmet go into Jordy Nelson's rib cage and keep going yeah yeah you know look like the guy's helmet was halfway into Jordy Nelson's body you're like oh I don't think he's getting up from that he's not he's not going to be okay um and clearly he's not. He's got broken ribs. He's not going to play. I don't. I loved how they kept like, well, maybe. He'll, are you kidding me? No. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly maybe with he'll you. I, play? Never, I never thought he was going to no, play this week done. after seeing that hit. Yeah, you just knew he was done. He's got broken ribs, and who knows what else going on internally. Um Even without that, Aaron Rodgers somehow just rediscovers Randall Cobb again, you know, uh, former X factor, Randall Cobb again, reemerging from injury just shows up and just starts torching the giants. Um, and then as the, as the Packers start running into the latter part of the game, there's Christine Michael running, chewing up a clock. It's like, wait a minute. The Packers look like a, this look like a real offense. <laughs>
0: And, yeah, and they, they were playing first... number one defense football
1: though i mean I don't, <laughs> you you're I don't not know, gonna like that first did. of all first of all the giants uh for everybody listening the giants are not the number one defense in football um at houston but everybody was uh not everybody uh the media not everybody quote unquote quote unquote the media we're all over this narrative that somehow this was the Giants just because the Giants made the playoffs that somehow they were rekindling the spirit of their two previous Super Bowl runs, and Aaron Rodgers was like, "Ah, ah. <laughs> now, no, just yeah, not going to happen." Three hundred and sixty-two yards later, against I don't think Aaron the Aaron Rodgers agreed with that <laughs> the best defense in the league, and just and he absolutely just shredded them. Um. Yeah, and the and the Giants again earlier on in that game are, are somewhat in the game. The game's not just over. That's another game that got away. Uh, you know, completely got away late. The Packers I mean, were covering the, you
0: know, absolutely nobody early on. The Giants absolutely right. could have had a, a lead in that game before Aaron Rodgers uh, got turned yeah. on. Oh, okay. Well, you know what I mean. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. Before his switch got turned on, I mean. That doesn't sound any better,
1: does it? What? (laughs) Uh, But again, neither team ran the ball. We didn't expect it. The Packers got a little bit of a running game late uh, when they needed to just sort of like grind it out and extend the end of that game. But but otherwise, it was the Giants couldn't run the ball. It didn't do a whole hell of a lot through the air. There were drops, but the drops were not a – I think the drops were a function of the cold and the conditions more than it was a condition of – and again, the, the, a couple of the drops, you had the uh, Sterling Shepard dropped one. Well, yeah, because the, the defender had his hand right in the middle of it knocking the ball out and oh, he dropped it. And then Odell Beckham dropped what would have been a circus catch with that over-the-shoulder ball going away from him. Um, The the throw was too high. People (sighs) blaming that drop on Odell Beckham. Eli left it too high. Yeah. He drops it over his shoulder on the wrong side, by the way, because he's looking right for the ball. He has to try to reach back over his left side, so he's spinning his body around. trying And almost catches the damn thing for just a circus touchdown catch and it's like oh the boat trip yeah yeah. then he just started right oh it was just ridiculous and and it was and it wasn't i i'd heard i must have been insulated from this boat trip crap i heard nothing about this until joe buck started you know blabbing about it
0: another uh reason the weather uh, may have been causing a lot of drops is because the reason that Aaron Rodgers got another chance for yet another Hail Mary at the end of the first half is because right before that, uh, they got lucky. The Packers did that Jared Cook dropped a, a wide-open pass in the middle of the field yeah. with six seconds left because the Giants had no touchdown, uh, no touchdowns, no timeouts, rather, at that point. So if he catches that ball, the, the, they're not going to get up there and clock it in six seconds. The half would have ended, but because right. he dropped it, uh, that let Rodgers get another hail mary off to to Randall Cobb in the back of the end zone, and and the the best defense in football couldn't stop that either. So, boy, I just I don't know. I maybe they all went on the boat, and we don't know it. Maybe uh, maybe the defense was on that boat too, and just didn't have their pictures taken. I, I don't know what to say.
1: And, and and we don't ever talk about this for hail marys because we 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 all know that anything goes on a hail mary. You could like literally like pull out a a shank and shank a guy in the end zone. <laughs> on a hail Mary but Randall Cobb very subtle. If you watch the highlight, because all they show is the catch gets away with the most obvious blatant (laughs) push off that you will ever see to get that separation in the back of the end zone, basically just shoves off the pile (laughs) and then falls backwards and catches the ball and keeps his feet in bounds. But, obvious. You watch the play from start to finish and you see that ball coming down. You see Randall Cobb standing there, standing there, standing there and then just shoves the pile and then he, you know, so everyone, oh, it's wide open in the back of the end. Well, yeah, he kind of pushed off a little bit. If it was just one-on-one coverage, it'd be the most obvious push-off. That was like Michael Irvin level of pushing off. It was just the
0: defender's fault. Because but, yeah. on a hail well, all, mary, as you always pointed his back out, to the
1: play, he's got his back to him.
0: It, you defenders all do the same thing on a hail mary: is with their back to the uh, to the to the receiver, they reach back yeah. while looking up at the ball and push off the receiver. They all do that. So that's yeah. the defender's fault for not doing that. You have to or get your the hand defender. on the receiver and get rid of him while you're looking up at the ball so you can make it look like, I was just making a play on the ball. I was just looking up at the ball because they don't call that either when the defense does it or when the offense
1: does it. ready to just jump up and make the play or knock it away, but there's Randall Cobb right behind him just sort of like with his hands on him, waiting, 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 waiting. Shove. Hey, look, I'm wide open for a touchdown catch. I mean, it was beautiful. I mean, it, was, it was it was obvious it was obvious, but that's never that is never gonna get called on a Hail Mary. They will like I said, you couldn't just you can be doing some nasty stuff to guys on Hail Marys. It will not get called just because there's so many bodies. And, and that's defensive. It's, it's offensive and made. defensive pass interference. You cannot call anything on a Hail Mary. No, absolutely not.
0: And then from there the uh, the story of the second half is uh what aaron Rodgers did just took over and just made catch after catch it did the fred astaire footwork the but but the difference is he set his feet in the second half before he actually made those throws so you can do all that dancing around shit you can do the michael jackson you can do the lindy hob you can do the charleston you can do the the hustle you can do whatever you want so long as you set your feet Before you actually get rid of the
1: football, and it made all the difference for Rodgers in the second half. And where Aaron Rodgers gets a pass in this game is in the first half. Basically, the exact opposite. That first half for Aaron Rodgers, this was the the Packers' offense. Take the snap, dance around, dance around, dance around, dance around, dance around, sack. That was the Packers' (laughs) offense in the first half. (laughs) That was it. It was it was it was so frustrating watching that because he's just dancing, 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 shuffling the feet, shuffling the feet, shuffling the feet, shuffling the feet, shuffling the feet. six seconds, seven seconds, sack. Oh, there you go. And we're talking sacks, like 15-yard sacks, like twice out of field goal range. Um right. completely ridiculous. But because of the just torrid second half he has, gets a pass for a first half that looked a lot like what we saw out of that Packer offense for most of the year. So again, which team are we going to get going to Dallas this week? Are we going to get the Aaron Rodgers with the happy feet, who's going to dance himself out of good plays and dance into sacks, and or are we going to get the guy who just shreds the other team? Oh, that's the big question. On that, that touchdown past to Randall Cobb. To out. There was a there was a legitimate touchdown past to Randall Cobb. It was like a thirty yarder where they clocked him at over eight seconds before he threw the ball. Yeah. Yeah, that the footwork the is unbelievable. Half, that would have been a sack. Yeah, I guess
0: good coverage on the Giants. We we don't have the all twenty twos to know why he was holding onto the ball like that. But he let it go in the second half, and he and he made some great plays. So. But that's what everyone is wondering: what which Aaron Rodgers are we going to get, uh, and which Dallas Cowboys team are are we going to get the uh, the rookies doing what they had done in the first half, or uh, you know they they sort of turned down a little bit as the uh, as the season went on. The second half, they weren't quite as impressive. The numbers say so, and actually watching them as well. So will that bye week do them good, or will it set them back and, and set their progress back? Uh, we'll, we'll all find out coming up in a couple of days. So it's time to make these picks for the uh, divisional round. I guess I'm doing the honors once again this week.
1: Yeah, you almost have to. Yeah. Just just leave us more than 90 seconds for the last game.
0: I'll try. <laughs> okay. Um, first, I will tell all of you, you are listening live to blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. To listen to this show as a podcast, you would go to iTunes, your Apple device. You would go to Mixcloud, player.fm, the tune-in app, Blubbery or Blueberry, whichever way it's pronounced. Uh, or any other podcast app that we are on. You search for In Much Less Detail, the podcast to see if we are on there. And if you see us, then subscribe, and you'll get every episode automatically sent to you when it's ready. Uh, I am on Twitter at IMLD Dre. Jason is on Twitter at IMLDJTG. Our picks will be up on the blog after the show is over. And the blog site is InMuchLessDetail.blogspot.com. And you can always communicate with the show via email. And you would send that to in much less detail at gmail.com. Conference semifinal weekend, the division round. All eight division champions still alive. So you could say this is as legit as it gets, although the Texans aren't necessarily legit, but they're there. They, they won their division. They, won their, they division. won their first round game. They won their division. And, and here they are. So. Without further ado, the rest or the rest of the playoffs and the divisional round starting tomorrow, <laughs> starting down in Hot Atlanta with the Falcons taking on the Seahawks. Seattle going to 11 5 one with that win uh, last week over the Lions. In Atlanta at eleven and five, and at uh, at home. Five and three. Seattle is three, four, and one on the road. Uh, Only injury news of note in this one: C.J. Procyse was supposed to come back uh, in the backfield for Seattle to help out Thomas Rawls, but he is not yet cleared to play. Uh, There are rematches in all four of these games this weekend. This one is a rematch of a Week Six battle between the Seahawks and the Falcons up in Seattle, where the Seahawks survived and won 26-24, and Julio Jones is still somewhere complaining about being held down on a pass interference call at the end of that game on fourth down, and he's got an absolute legitimate gripe. He was certainly held by Richard Sherman, but there was no call, and now Atlanta possibly ready to get their revenge at home uh, as Seattle has to come down to the Georgia Dome. Uh, This spread is a a four-and-a-half point spread. Seattle is the underdog. They get four-and-a-half points down in Atlanta. Uh, By the numbers, the most explosive offense in the NFL, that's the Atlanta Falcons, and I did my research on that one. That 9.26 yards per average for Matt Ryan, it's the most in history, minimum 350 passing attempts. It's the most since the 9.2 that Aaron Rodgers put up back in 2011. Uh, The nearly seven yards per play as a team, that's the highest in the NFL this year. Think about that. Every single play they ran, they gained nearly seven yards. Every play. Even the ones that didn't work or were not supposed to work. You can't get much better than that. That's what the Falcons are, and then they're facing the Seattle Seahawks, known for their defense, championship defense, got the the ring, got the hardware to show for it. Uh, this one may be a record for a number of possessions in a game because – with Seattle's leaky offensive line, you saw what happened last week with Russell Wilson. He's not going to take off and run very much anymore, it would appear. Uh, so when the pass rush gets to him and he has got, he gets flushed, he's apparently just throwing balls away. Uh, they're not allowing long drives unless Wilson decides to, to start running again on those dropbacks. Atlanta doesn't get paid by the hour, so they're not trying to make long drives either. If they can get 80 yards in two plays, they do it. If it's there, that that they they take that, they will absolutely go as fast as you will let them go. This is Dan Quinn's uh, Atlanta defense. He's coming from Seattle, of course. If you remember, the former Seahawks defensive coordinator. So that Atlanta defense, we talk about it being in the mold of Seattle, and that's in strengths and weaknesses. So it fast and to the ball, but also sometimes a little light. Sometimes. Uh, not as stout as they could be, and they can get pushed around a little bit. So that's for the good and the bad. Uh, and since the halfway point uh, of the season, Seattle's running offense is way up and Atlanta's run defense is way down. So you may see a a little more of that. You may see uh, Thomas Rawls' new beast mode take over and do some more punishment uh, against the Atlanta defense, which has never been all that stout in the running game. Uh, So a resurgent running back with Rawls, that's the, uh, the matchup. Maybe the key matchup of the game is if Seattle can control the time of possession on the ground with Thomas Rawls against Atlanta's run defense, Uh, the, the passing offense for Seattle last week against the lions. uh, They had some moments, obviously they had some, some circus catches that we discussed already Uh, Atlanta's defense those DBs, to me, from what I saw this season, they get—I could describe them as sort of sloppy, but hard hitting. They—they—they they don't make the tackle every time that they need to. They're not exactly in the right position and coverage every time they need to be. But if they get to you, they—they—they they, they do lay a lick on you. They'll make you uh, remember that they were there, especially Keanu Neal. On the other side of the ball, Atlanta and their powerful and versatile run attack. All three of those running backs can do it all. They can run it. They can catch it. Uh, Against Seattle's sort of vulnerable at times, run defense. Like I said, in the in the mold of Dan Quinn, they can get pushed around a little bit sometimes. And of course, Atlanta's video game passing attack, where anyone is a target, doesn't matter who you are, what your name is. If you're open, Matt Ryan will find you. Against Seattle's one-on-one coverage, but uh, I suppose they're going to do the same thing leave Richard Sherman on one side and, and let everybody fend for themselves on the other side. But somehow I get the feeling Matt Ryan isn't going to be afraid of Richard Sherman. I think he'll throw it, uh, against Richard Sherman uh, because he doesn't really care. It's hot as he's been this season. Uh, Atlanta's pass protection has seen a uh, few teams as furious as Seattle. Cliff April and the miracle Mike Bennett, the pressure they're going to put on him, I think that's going to be a, a key element something they're not really all that used to this year, the, the way their offense has been operating. It's been so balls out that no one's really made much of a dent on them. Seattle's old line uh, may have to go on a holding Palooza festival against Atlanta's Blitzers on the other side. Uh, we talked talked a little bit about that hurry stat this season. Uh, who's got the most hurries? Who actually gets to the quarterback and, and puts pressure on them? Not necessarily the most sacks, but just the most hurries. And Atlanta wound up with 122 on the season. That was good for for third place in the NFL tied for third Uh, Atlanta's man coverage, not so good for keeping tabs on a mobile quarterback. Is Russell Wilson a mobile quarterback anymore? I don't think so. I haven't seen evidence that he's going to get up and run the way he used to. That would be, I think the key element to push it to Seattle's side. I think I'd consider taking Seattle if Russell Wilson was still mobile and, and provided that element. But he's just not doing it right now. So uh, I'm actually going to go with Atlanta and give the four and a half points, uh, even in relatively quiet Atlanta, even in the in the Georgia Dome. I think the Seattle O-line may get rattled. You keep hearing every game the Seattle plays. You keep hearing the, the commentators talk about that inexperienced offensive line and this guy used to play basketball and this is his first year starting at left tackle and the other guy isn't all that good. And nobody gets rated very high in in pro football focuses rankings or anything like that. Uh, I think Atlanta's uh, pass rush getting to Russell Wilson repeatedly and frequently as the game goes on, will wear them down and I'm actually going to take the Falcons to knock off the Seahawks and give the four and a half.
1: Wow. Okay. So here we go. Here we go. Uh, we're, we're gonna disagree right off the bat straight up I like this um I'm taking Seattle and the points in this game I have Atlanta to win so I'm getting cute in my very first pick um Ooh. Uh, yeah getting cute uh, I actually have Atlanta win in this game I, I I do I do pick scores in the postseason um I have Atlanta win this game 24 23 um so I can see this game I can see Atlanta playing their way and doing what they've been, excuse me, doing what they've been doing all year. And this is sort of the Atlanta MO get up early, blow the lead late, just cling to life for the whole rest of the game. Uh, We've seen this multiple times with Atlanta. Now, some of these did result in, in Atlanta still covering the number, but I think in the playoffs with Seattle, I think their, their mission will be, Uh, To shorten the game, I I don't think that Seattle, although this is how you win a game, Seattle is not going to try to go out there and win a shootout. I think Seattle loses this game if Atlanta gets to 30. If Atlanta gets to 30, I think it's over. So they have to keep the amount of touches um, that that Atlanta offense gets down and, and, and give Thomas Rawls the ball and it, it just grind some clock. There's, you know, there, there may be no shame in playing a little field position and punting deep. And maybe Matt Ryan makes one of his Matt Ryan esque type plays. The ones that we haven't seen all year where he makes the, the soul crushing pick. I mean, this would be the perfect spot for him to do it. Um, people are very quick, of course, to jump on Matt Ryan because he's, you know, he's got the one in four playoff record on the positive side for Atlanta. The one was against Seattle. So, Um and and that was also a very tight game. Um what we didn't have the explosiveness. The one thing that worries me, um, you know, and I always think about you know, a blowout, and this is the only thing that worries me for Atlanta is when I think about which team is more capable of blowing out the other. I think Atlanta is much more capable of blowing out Seattle than the other way around. Um especially if Matt Ryan is able to start airing that ball out deep. And that's when you start to to miss Earl Thomas. Um, so are we going to see you – know, great if Richard Sherman is taking care of his side of the field. That's good against Detroit. But <laughs> uh, as, as, as someone very fondly said one time, this isn't Detroit. this isn't Detroit. That's right. I don't think, like you said, though, I, I don't even think Matt Ryan cares about Richard Sherman because there's going to be sometimes four and five guys out there wide open, just running free. Is it going to be Coleman or Freeman coming out of the backfield? Is it going to be Gabriel? Is it going to be Julio Jones? Is it going to be Sanu? very healthy? Both of these teams, extremely healthy. You basically ran down with ProSize, the only injury of note at all in this game. And, and that does bode better for Atlanta than it does for uh, Seattle, just because this means that Matt Ryan is going to come into this game compl- just fully loaded. But I, I think on the plus side for Seattle is their, their whole mission is going to be um, to just sort of grind this thing to a halt. Even if they're losing, I don't think they go exclusively to the air and try to come back by throwing. I don't think they're going to be able to throw their way into this game. They're going to have to run their way um, if they have a chance. So that's why I'm going with this as a 24-23 game. Um, and I've, I've given my X factor in this game to Stephen Terrell, who's going to be Johnny on the spot, or have to be Johnny on the spot, either for good, for Seattle, or he's going to get completely picked on. Um, uh out, out coverage being the replace replacement, replacement safety at safety for Earl Thomas. Trump. So if they pick on him and, and it's his Trump sort of Trump's the weak in link, that link in that secondary, you start, you start to, see to see a lot of. Uh, of uh, a lot of, a lot seam, of seam routes, routes you, know, you know. A lot of, you lot of, know, lot of, of guys, guys running uh, free up in the middle. middle uh, uh, you, you start to see a lot of a in de- 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 the doing kind of the tight end, all de- 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 that safety in, the de- end, maybe de- de- the run the ball, and all of a sudden there's Taylor Gabriel on a 65-yard touchdown pass, completely undercovered. Uh, think either for good or bad for the Seahawks, it's going to come down to the guy with the targets early, early guys back, in that seam route,
0: well, I'm glad to hear you say that you don't think uh, the Seahawks have much of a chance if they let Atlanta get to 30 because I didn't give my score prediction for this game, which is Falcons 45, Seattle 30. It's going to be one of those Georgia wow. Dome type up and down flying through the air type of, of games. Wow. That's my favorite. I, that's you like the like over, like, over. I think I like the over. Whatever the over is, I I, I like it a lot. Uh, and my ex-factor for this game, I have to go to some body parts because I just referenced them, how uh, important and valuable they might be. It's Russell Wilson's legs. If his legs are feeling good, if he can do what he used to be able to do, like I said, uh, Atlanta can tear back in that man coverage and look up and there's Wilson running right behind them for 15, 20 yards at a time, uh, screwing up their, their coverage completely. That's a huge factor. Uh, this year, Russell Wilson's stats, rushing the ball, running the ball are the lowest of his career, the 259 total yards and the 3.6 yards per carry. Those are both the lowest in Russell Wilson's five year career. And if he finds his legs magically on the turf in the Georgia Dome, then that really makes it a completely different game. And I'm honestly uh, afraid of that. If he's been sort of taking it easy and playing possum and if he feels like he can, uh, explode and do what he used to do tomorrow, then that makes a different game. But uh, so long as I haven't seen any evidence of that, I have to go with the Falcons.
1: Well, there you go. We disagree already.
0: All right. On to the Saturday night football game. And I know this feels like the typical New England Patriots ass kicking on, on Saturday night in the divisional round. It's got that, that feel it's got that type of feel that the Patriots, they get their bye week they're rested up. They get the first playoff game out of the way earlier in the day. And then they take the field up in Foxborough and say, okay, time for us to do what we do time for the, the real team to take the field and and do what they're supposed to do. Uh, And Houston knows this feeling because they came in the Foxborough in 2013 in the divisional round, feeling good, uh, when they're opening round playoff game, thinking they're going to go into New England and give them a fight. And they lost 41 to 28 in that game as nine and a half point uh, underdogs. And this feels like that type of game. It feels like that Tim Tebow game. Remember Tebow got that cheap oh win against the Pittsburgh Steelers that somehow
1: got that touchdown oh, beat in overtime. You're just <laughs> bitter <laughs> because I totally, you're just bitter because I totally had that one.
0: Completely cheap win. Um, And everyone's got Tebow mania and feeling great about them. And then he goes in the next week to New England and just gets destroyed. Uh, It's got that type of feel to it to me. And the public believes it does as well because nine and seven Houston now 10 and seven with that win last week, this is the division champion. This is not some wildcard team. This is the actual AFC South champions are 15 point underdogs Ed Tom Brady and the
1: fourteen <laughs> I mean, the and dog, two, the dog shit wait, Jets wait. got seventeen. <laughs> what well, they did, I forgot that it was seventeen. Yeah, a oh, couple weeks God. ago, yeah.
0: Oh, like week okay. sixteen, the
1: Jets right. got seventeen, and the Texans, yeah. a division-winning team, get fifteen. Right. Get 15. That's respect. Now, I thought you were.
0: <laughs> I thought you were referring back to like one of those Mark Sanchez teams or something like that. No, but... this was like just a couple weeks ago. Right, right, right. Uh, so, yeah, 15, biggest, one of the biggest, uh, I didn't do the yeah. research on that, but definitely one of the biggest spreads in the history of the NFL playoffs. Uh, it, I couldn't believe it when I heard about this line earlier. So I think it may have been about, I think it may have been 16. I think it's come down uh, to 15. But, yeah, yeah that, that's what people think of Brock Osweiler and, and the Houston Texans. Two and six on the road against the Patriots 6-2 and two at home, although that's a little strange when you think about New England being 14-2. and two, Both their losses were at home, so maybe they're not as invincible as everyone might think. This is a rematch of the Week 3 Thursday night affair in which the Patriots shut out the Texans 27 to nothing, and it wasn't even Tom Brady as the quarterback. That was behind Jack Brisket. The great Jack Brisket was playing quarterback that night and, and beat the Texans by 27, but it's a Thursday night game that road team always seems to be at a disadvantage. I would tend to sort of throw that away in my mind, but I don't know. It's it is kind of scary to think that they got beat that bad. And it wasn't even Tom Brady uh, at the helm, but now Brady is there uh, taking on the Houston defense, which is probably to me, the closest defense in the league in the entire NFL, the closest sort of clone to the Denver defense that choked out the new England Patriots last year. For those of you that forgot the Denver Broncos got a chokehold on the new England Patriots and Tom Brady and choked them out and took them out of the playoffs last year. And it was a defense that looked a lot like this. When you think of Von Miller coming around the edge, just a complete terror and no one can stop him. Jadavian Clowney kind of looks like that at times, doesn't he? You have to admit When you think of DeMarcus Ware on the other side backing him up, the veteran presence uh, making himself known and and causing havoc on his end, Wendy Merciless kind of looks like that sometimes. He kind of comes in as a tornado, and you don't see him coming necessarily. When you think of the secondary with the no-fly zone and you got – Chris Harris, to uh, Tlaib, you got some great defensive backs, some great man defensive backs that will just play you straight up one-on-one and won't back down from you and isn't afraid to take on any receivers. They kind of look like that, too, when you think about Kareem Jackson and Jonathan Joseph and A.J. Boyer. They are a real close clone to the Broncos, and that's what makes you think, well, 15, huh? Not if they get a a defensive effort like they got uh, against uh, the Oakland Raiders. Not if they get a defensive effort like the Broncos got last year against the Patriots. So that right off the bat gives you a little bit of pause with that point spread. Uh, On the other side, Jabal Sheard and Rob Nickovich can get home against the Houston protection and make it a long night for Brock Osweiler. Uh, You know, Malcolm Butler and Logan Ryan, uh, that's a real deal for the Patriots D. They may they must not allow any home run balls to DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. They have got to play their tight man coverage and shut those guys down as well. And Devin McCourty back there will lay the, the lumber if you let him get an opportunity as well. So the Patriots defense, one of those defenses that are they're kind of sneaky in, in, in the way that they play you don't really think much of their defense of course no one thinks about the Patriots D when you think about New England but they got some players as well they they make some plays and they're they're pretty stout uh, in their own right uh, especially when you consider their reclamation projects the Patriots reclamation projects and we talk about Bill Belichick can bring in anybody he wants and get some production out of them well you can add a couple more names to that list this year Uh, When you talk about Chris Long and and Shane McClellan actually producing and making plays for the Patriots defense, no one but Bill Belichick could probably get production out of Shane McClellan, Uh, Chris Long, who has talent or had talent, but got long in the tooth. Uh, But he's making plays with, with both of those guys. And now look at this. There's Michael Floyd making plays getting open, making touchdown catches in the last game of the season, coming back and cracking back on a huge block to spring another touchdown catch. Oh, look, Michael Floyd making plays for the Patriots to another reclamation project. Boy, just only the Patriots, huh? It's just amazing how they managed to keep doing that. Uh, New England, uh, We'll call some jump balls against those physical defensive backs just to draw some flags. I saw that in a few Patriots games this year. If they're getting some cornerbacks that are they're beating up their receivers a little bit and not letting them get open, Brady will just start throwing balls up in the air just to, to try to draw pr- uh, pass interference flags. And they'll do it over and over and over again. They'll do it several times in a row just for that particular reason just to try to get that press coverage to back off and, and give his guys a little bit of that room that he needs to uh, to succeed. Uh, Vince Wolffort makes his big return to New England as a Houston Texan to try to shut down the run game. Uh, he's been very effective. Uh, this might be his last year, but uh, he he doesn't look like he's slowing down too much uh, at the food table or on the field so we'll see if Wolffort can have an impact. So the matchups looks like this Houston's running with Lamar Miller. The thing is, you saw it against the Raiders. Actually, Miller didn't have much success early on because he needs big holes to run through. He needs to to have space to operate. He's not exactly a, a grinder. He's strong, but he's not that kind of bruising, pushing uh, uh running back. He needs some holes against the New England Patriots. That's a good lateral run defense that you like to fill holes. So I don't think it's going to work out well for Houston. I don't think they're going to get much on the ground. Uh, Houston, of course, with the highly erratic. Brock Osweiler for their passing game going against the new England steady pass defense. I don't know if they're going to get much in the air either. I don't think they're going to get many yards uh, either way uh, on the new England side. It's all about the Houston defense. How much are they going to allow new England to get? So you get the, the gorilla, guerrilla, Garrett blunt and the all purpose runners, uh, James white and Dion Lewis, against the Houston powerful front seven. That should be a good matchup. I'm not sure who gets the edge there uh, because the the, the Texans can shut down a run game. And then Tom Brady, the smoothest passing game in football against Houston's excellent secondary and that furious pass rush. Can they get to Tom Brady? Can they affect him similar to what the Broncos did? You want to trust the New England blowout as they're coming off the bye. It feels like one of those old games, the Tebow game like that. Just muscle memory. They're at home, is what they do. Houston only two and six on the road, as I mentioned earlier. That's a lot of points, man. That's that's a that's a, that's a shitload of put fifteen points. It really pains me to do this. I'm taking Houston and I'm taking the points because that's just a lot of points. I I don't want to play the disrespect card either. It's just Houston's defense is just that good. Whether they feel disrespected or not, they're actually good enough to hold Tom Brady to something relatively considered a, a down game for them. So based on just that, I'm actually going to take Houston and the points and I actually got New England winning by 14. I'm calling New England 27, Houston 13.
1: Well, we'll know pretty much where we're standing by the end of the day tomorrow. I'm giving 15 points, no mm. problem in this game. Uh, I've got New England uh, going in winning this game 31-10. to 10. And I think you stated most of the reasons. Houston, with Brock Osweiler, I, I just don't think they're going to move the ball. Not only are they not going to move the ball very much, they're probably going to be forced into making some mistakes. So I think that we'll see some f- some field flipping. Maybe we'll see a fumble. Maybe we'll you know we'll see uh, maybe we'll see Osweiler trying to work a comeback. Maybe the game's a little bit close and they're within that point spread. Uh, you know maybe they're losing twenty four ten. Things are looking good for you. Oh oh there's a there's a pick and New England goes in and kicks a field goal, scores a touchdown and 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 still somehow manages to cover. I don't think I mean yeah fifteen is a lot of points. But every time I sort of played this out in my mind, could I see myself taking those points? Could I see myself picking Houston? I never got a yes. N- none of the scenarios that bounced around in my head for Houston said, yeah, Houston's gonna Houston's gonna hang in this game. And we we joked a lot of you especially picked on New England like uh, you know towards the that last stretch that they had in the season. As they were tuning up for the playoffs, that these games just did, you know, they just don't care. And, and for all their not caring, they were just blowing teams out um, for a team that really didn't give a shit about anything. And here's Houston going into Foxboro in, in a spot that New England thrives. with. Houston doesn't have the offense to hang in this game. Maybe the defense can do it but I just don't think that the, the defense is going to be able to keep up this relentless assault the way that Denver was able to at home with their fans behind them um, and, and sort of just pin the Patriots down and hold them down. Maybe if this game was in Houston, maybe. Um, also, if this game was in Houston, this wouldn't be a 15-point number, so I'd probably still have the Patriots, even if it was a you know New England plus uh you know New England minus five or minus six at Houston, they'd they'd still be a favorite. Um, so either way, New England, I think you know they may eventually play in Houston. That <laughs> this could be where it yeah. ends up for them. Um, but I, I think it's that this I've is written. this is this is a speed bump uh, more than anything. I I, I think that the, this is just oh hey guys, we're on the we're on the path to the Super Bowl. We'll hit this little bump. Oh, what was that? Oh, that was nothing, guys. That was just the Houston Texans, and then they just end up leaving them in the dust. I I, I don't think that that Houston defense in Foxborough is going to be able to sort of this work this magic to keep the number close. Maybe maybe this is a close game early, um, but yeah, I'm going thirty-one to ten. I don't think that Houston just has the offense to just the the relentless the relentless assault is going to come from the Patriots' offense, not from the Houston defense. I think in this game. They'll just – they just get after it, and they just keep coming. Um, and that's why uh, – and, and, and we, we talk about think X about factors. That,
0: uh, when I think about your score, that's only yeah. a touchdown instead of a field goal yeah. on the New England side and taking away a field goal from Houston. It's yeah. not that big of a difference,
1: really. So it's I think we're both 40. kind of dancing around that 15-point that yeah. spread. You got them losing by, what, 14? I got them losing by 21. So we're close. Yeah. Close, but 31-10, yeah, to 10, really close. You know, as, as picking a score prediction, 31-10, to 10, that, that's a blowout. Even if the line's 15, you're getting blown out. Um, that That's not a close game. That's, I'm still sweating that if it's that close late because you know that you're a score away from, from the game going the wrong way. Or if that's a two-touchdown game and New England has the ball late and they're lining up for a field goal, you're sweating. So I don't think this is mm-hmm. going to be one of those... 15 point line is really never a laugher unless it's college. Um, So one way or the other, uh, I think that we're both sweating. I think we're both sweating both of these games because I think there's you could make a case either side of any of these games and you should be able to do that at this time. But again, I make my I make my picks early in the week and I hold on to them. So I've had New England all week. I've never seen a scenario where I would have Houston. Um, You mentioned my X factor in pass. I think you mentioned every player on both teams, but <laughs> yes, my X factor uh, for New England is the aforementioned James White uh, to make those plays catching the ball out of the backfield. Look there. It blunts the bruiser, but James White is sort of that like third down back type guy, but he's also a guy um, in passing, in, in passing areas or on passing uh, called passing plays where Brady can sort of check that ball to him. And whatever reason, he's always wide open. So I'm going to go with James White to make a difference in the passing game for New England in this game. Maybe even find the end zone a time or two.
0: And my X-Factor may find the end zone a time or two for New England as well. If he does, that might push the spread over to New England side as well. You don't have the, uh, the big Rob Gronkowski game, as a possibility, the, the 100 yards and the three-touchdown type game. So his replacement, Martellus Bennett, if he can step up and provide something close to that kind of production, you have 55 catches for 701 yards and seven touchdowns. So if he can be the Gronk replacement, that might screw me up as well. So the Sunday action is a little flipped around. In case you're under a rock and you haven't heard, the weather conditions in Kansas City are such that the freezing rain and slush and ice and everything that's supposed to be coming down on Sunday morning and afternoon has caused the NFL to move the Pittsburgh Kansas City divisional round matchup Bullshit. on Sunday from. <laughs> Jason Cantori does not agree with the weather predictions, uh, has uh, caused no, the NFL to.
1: I don't agree with the... Basically, they just flexed this game into prime time and used that (laughs) as their bullshit reason. I'm sorry. I'll just call it like I see it. They wanted this game in prime time. And, oh, look, we may have some... It's football! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you don't ever
0: see an an NFL game moved because of weather unless the weather is like Hurricane Katrina or something
1: like that. Not only that... It's winter weather. Last time I checked, isn't this football weather? Hey, wait a minute. Hey, hey guys, guess what? We can get this game in prime time. Let's do it. Yeah, weather. (laughs) Total (laughs) bullshit. I'm calling it right now. This is a cash grab and nothing more. That's it.
0: Well, if the NFL knows anything, it's cash grabs. So no surprise there. In any event, the... Steelers Kansas City Chiefs game is not a one Eastern noon start anymore. It is now the special Sunday night football edition of Sunday afternoon football. It's a uh, it's an eight twenty Eastern start time. They got it on the
1: NFL Network because then we'd have the Sunday evening version of a Sunday <laughs> oh. afternoon version of Thursday night football. <laughs>
0: 8:20 Eastern, 7:20 Central Time for Pittsburgh, Kansas City. So the first game on Sunday now is the Green Bay Dallas game at, uh, at at 4:30, yeah. 3:30 Central. Uh, they so couldn't
1: flex the this twi- one because it's in
0: a dome. So the Twi doubleheader, both nights, Saturday and Sunday. What is what yeah. are the odds of this? leads them into making this a permanent thing that makes you
1: say forever. We'll (laughs) We'll never see a noon Sunday game ever again. In fact, I would go so far as to say that we will at some point no longer ever see championship Sunday be championship Sunday. I think at some point we will see a Saturday night AFC and a Sunday night NFC title game or vice versa.
0: Wow. You heard it here first if that happens uh so we'll get into green bay dallas first because that's the first game you'll be seeing on sunday now uh the 11 and six packers after they pick up that win last week but only four and four on the road going into dallas the cowboys with their twin rookies at quarterback and running back their mvp candidates ezekiel elliott and dak prescott 13 and 3 an incredible season Seven and one record at home. Uh that might that, they it might rain in that game, so we might have to, to hold off wait, and wait. make sure that they're playing night football. One. If they get the turf uh, the tarp down on the turf in time, then they can protect the field. Uh, but other other than that, they might be in trouble. Uh the Packers are a four and a half point underdog at the Cowboys. There's that number four and a half again, just like the Atlanta game. Uh, this is a different uh, Aaron Rodgers than uh, than what we've seen earlier in the year because this game is a rematch of a game that took place in week six uh, up in Green Bay when we were looking at the Cowboys. They had uh, lost their opener to the Giants, and then they ran off four wins in a row, and we're like, okay, well, that's nice, but now they're going to go to the Lambeau Field. Let's see what's what they got. what see what they're made of. And then there's idiots like me that are talk, talking about the Green Bay Packers number one rush defense at the time. They were the top-ranked rush defense in all of football. And Ezekiel Elliott came in and ran all over them, and the Cowboys beat the Packers in Lambeau Field by a score of 3-16. to And the story of that game was what Zeke Elliott did, but it was also how bad Aaron Rodgers was because he had some very erratic throws and was making a lot of mistakes, and people were starting to talk about Is you know what's wrong with Aaron? What's wrong with Aaron Rodgers? Is he uh, messing up again? Is he heard? Is you know what's going on with him? The Aaron Rodgers that we've been seeing the last four or five weeks has vaunted him into uh, MVP talk, which is of course Jason's favorite subject. Is 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 Aaron Rodgers the
1: MVP? (laughs) Ridiculous.
0: Uh, So as ridiculous as that might be, it is true that he's certainly playing different football now uh, than he was back in this earlier Dallas game. But this one is not in Lambeau Field. This is down in Jerry World down in Dallas, Texas. Uh, It's also going to be different because... Eddie Lacy actually had some. You remember Eddie Lacy? Remember that guy? He used to be good. Uh, he had some big runs in that game uh, against the, the Cowboys, and he's not even going to be there. So this is basically all about Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be, once again, the Aaron Rodgers show. Uh, if, the Cow, if, the, if the Packers are able to beat the Cowboys, it's going to be all about Aaron Rodgers. On the other side, big game hunters, Julius Peppers, Clay Matthews, you saw him last week. Uh, the roided up troglodyte Clay Matthews made an appearance. He's back out there trying to be productive. Uh, you know, they'll pay a visit to Dak Prescott a time or two because that's what they do in big games. However, Green Bay may not want to, to blitz too much and leave their linebackers to try to cover Jason Witten and, and all the, the hot routes for the Cowboys, because that seems to be the best way that the Cowboys offense operates is quick passes, hot routes, Dak Prescott making quick decisions, not having to think too much. Uh, there's like a street ball element to that offense, you know, just physically outplaying opponents, just cero miedos, zero fear. That's the title that they took away from the Arizona Cardinals because the Cardinals displayed that kind of offense last year. Just no fear of anything. Just whatever we want to do, we're gonna go out and do it. We're gonna call any play. We're gonna make any play that we have to do. They may already have the best two-minute drill in all of football because. That's when Dak Prescott doesn't have to think that's when he plays his best football is when you take options away from him and say, okay, this is the only thing you have to do is this, 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 and this. Uh, that seems to be his, his best way of going about it. He's been calm and poised throughout this rookie campaign. Uh, very few mistakes. However, there was a game coming off the bye, uh against the Detroit lions he didn't look so good. He made some shit decisions. He made some shit throws and it remains to be seen that that's just uh, a game you can throw away. Or if maybe you give him enough time uh, between games to sort of think and, and get full of himself. And, and then he comes out thinking he can do anything. The Eagles should have won that game. Uh, if anyone remembers that the Eagles uh, were leading that game, they had their chances to win and wound up going to overtime and, and the Cowboys got a, a touchdown in overtime to win that. But Prescott did not look very good in that game. It might've been one of the the worst games uh, that he had all season long. Certainly Dallas didn't expect to be here 13 and three without Tony Romo. Are they ready to keep it up? This kind of reminds me of Jason was bringing up last week about uh, his beloved Chicago Cubs when they had success that they weren't necessarily expecting to have a couple years ago. They, they make the, uh, the, the division championship. They win their division. They go through the, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, did they make a wild card that year? They didn't win the division. A couple of years ago, the Cardinals won the division.
1: Right, they were the, the Wilders. The they won the. They, they beat Pittsburgh. Well, who doesn't in the play-in game? Then they beat the Cardinals, and then they just went and got sw- sw- swept right out of the place. Was swept right out of the building by the Mets. Um, right, they. Beat-
0: they get the yeah, uh, the, was, the big head a little bit. They think, hey, we're not supposed yeah. to be here. We're the greatest. And then they get to the NFCS yeah. and just get destroyed by the Mets. So uh, that may be what we're going to see with the Cowboys here. They may not have expected to be here, and they may not be ready to keep this up, but we will all find out on Sunday. Uh, the matchups look like this. Green Bay mixing in a bunch of hot hands at running back because Eddie Lacy isn't there. They're going with whoever can run the ball effectively. Last week, it was more uh, Christine or Kristen Michael. Uh, the weeks before, it's been Ty Montgomery. They mix in the fullback Aaron Ripkowski. Whoever's got the hot hand uh, against the Dallas defense, they can give up big holes up the middle. They're more susceptible to the, the scat back. the the kind of faster guy, the, the, the bruiser uh, they can kind of get around and shut him down. But the, the quicker guy, the uh, there was a game against the Eagles where the Eagles chose to run Darren Sproles instead of Ryan Matthews. They had Matthews sitting there, but they wanted to use Sproles against uh, the Cowboys that game that I was just talking about uh, where the Eagles could have won the game easily and Sproles had a lot of success. So you may see more Kristen Michael than, than Ty Montgomery in this game. Rodgers playing otherworldly in the passing game against the Dallas. Pass coverage, I I give the pass coverage of Dallas a lot of crap over the years, Uh, almost uh, as bad as the Giants hype, best defense in football. Uh, The Cowboys get a lot of hype as well. I don't think they're very good, but I'll admit they're improved. I've seen Brandon Carr make some plays this season. I've seen Barry Church make some plays. I've seen Orlando Skandrick knock down a few balls, and and their best cornerback, Morris Claiborne, is supposed to come back from injury in this game. So we'll see how uh, much of an impact he can make. Uh, On Dallas' side of the ball is their dominant run game with the bowling ball Ezekiel Elliott going against the Green Bay uh, defense. Flow to the football, a lot of linebackers filling holes, a lot of DBs filling holes, but not exactly strong, not exactly uh, ready to take down a a big bruising back like Elliott. We saw what he did to them up in Green Bay. I think there's going to be a lot more of that. Uh, In the air, Dallas, uh, with an accurate methodical passing attack that eats up time of possession. They don't go for a lot of big plays. They don't go for a lot of touchdowns. They go for a lot of first downs. They just want to keep those chains moving. Uh, and they're going against a Green Bay pass defense has been struggling versus wide receivers who can get open. If you're kind of slow and plotting a receiver, maybe they can handle that. But guys who can actually get open like does Bryant can, they might struggle to, to cover him. So I don't think that's going to go too well for the Packers. Uh, but in the end, I just got to go with Aaron Rodgers because he has been playing his ass off. I've gone against him last week. I went against him that season that he started the the postseason so well, and Jason rode him all the way to the Super Bowl. I kept doubting him. I kept going against him. I got to go with him finally after what he did to the Giants last week. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to go with the Packers. I'm going to take the four and a half points. I'm going to take Green Bay, actually, win the game twenty-eight
1: to twenty-seven. Wow. Uh we're pretty close right down the middle on this one. Uh almost the same score even. Um although I again I have the Packers and I have the points. I'm getting cute again. I like Dallas to sort of gut this one out. They hit there's too many things that can go good for Dallas because of that offensive line, which I think Maybe early in this game, I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a faster start for the Packers than we do for the Cowboys. Um, I think we're going to maybe get a little jitteriness uh, out of uh, Dak Prescott. And I think we're going to see the Packers maybe try to rattle him a little bit, and maybe even be successful um, early on. And I I always worry about, you know, if I don't have this as my X factor, but my big fear and what could possibly be an X factor that could lend itself towards a Green Bay win and a Dallas loss would be Jason Garrett. Does Jason Garrett try to go back to his roots of thinking that he's the smartest guy in the room Um, and, 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 and that he's the reason they're there? And you know, and now he's just now he's going to unleash Dak Prescott, and Dak's going to go out, and um, you know, and we're going to sort of forget about the running game, and, and that always worries me. That that's just always sort of there, waiting with Jason Garrett. That the Cowboys are going to just sort of morph back into that that team when when they have with Demarco Murray and and, and that ultra talented offensive line, and all of a sudden you look up and well, Demarco Murray's got nine carries. Even in game and and even it was amazing because that year when they had Romo and Murray and everybody was healthy and they made that run up uh, that unfortunately for them ended up in Green Bay for the playoffs um, that year that Tony Romo had that amazing year was you would see the games and you would see the plan and that was sort of like when the switch turned in Jason Garrett's head you'd see the Cowboys there was one game I forget what it was I think but they started off losing to a team like twenty one to nothing and literally just ran their way back into the game. They just kept feeding DeMarco Murray, and he's just ripping off chunks, and they're moving the ball. I just always worry if if the Cowboys are smart enough that they really truly have overcome their stupidest team in football tendencies, um, that this could Ooh. be a moment where may- maybe it's a little too large, like you said. Maybe it is too much too fast, and, and, and I should just be going with the Packers outright. Um, Although I am taking them to compete, I have this as a 28-25 game, uh, but go in the way of Dallas. Because I think in the end, they do have their strength, which we've already seen. And you completely highlighted in that week when uh, Dallas went up to Green Bay. And you talk about all these Packers defenders that flocked to the football, but they were running into the wall. It, it, basically, there was that Dallas offensive line just making like a runway for Ezekiel Elliott. And here come all the Packer defenders getting in to fill those gaps, being right where they should be, doing everything right, coached perfectly. But they're running into every step, a Dallas offensive lineman, because of the almost the perfection that that Dallas offensive line can can play with. And the Packers had no answer for it. And Ezekiel Elliott was untouched for gigantic chunks in that game. And I think in the end, that can wear down the Packers. Even with Aaron Rodgers' magic, um, I think it could be a little bit too much. And maybe even after if they – I could see, like I said, Dallas struggling early and then sort of going back home, going back to their roots and realizing, you know what? We need to run the ball to win, and I think that maybe we see Dak Prescott almost not even be a huge factor in this game, which I think is better for them. If Dak Prescott has to win a shootout, they're going to lose. Oh, yeah. Although, we said that against Pittsburgh. (laughs) what happened when they went to Pittsburgh. (laughs) uh, Also, though, to your your point, though, uh, when you were bringing up uh, Prescott's stats versus Roger's stats, they've sort of – had opposite seasons. Prescott was efficient and and, and very good early where Rodgers was the opposite. And now if I turned around and looked, I would say that Prescott has been declining slowly most of the season. He's been he, – he had that peak uh, with that Pittsburgh game, and that was one of his last sort of great efforts. And then all of a sudden you started to see the, the weather started getting colder and those efforts started decreasing and he is a rookie. There's more on tape. Um, but Dallas was able to just keep rolling. Uh, where was oh, Green I'll, Bay? Uh, I'll, give you the,
0: I'll give you the raw number to back that up. Uh, yeah. After nine weeks, Green Bay was averaging 6.5 yards per throw, and they finished the year averaging 7.2. Yeah. Whereas the Cowboys, after nine weeks, were averaging 8.3 yards per throw and wound up still pretty good at 7.9. But, yeah, they had to decline,
1: and Aaron Rodgers yeah. obviously had to rise. Right, but the thing that the Cowboys have that the Packers haven't been able to rile on, as much as we we, we like it, it's the cute story with Ty Montgomery. Ty Montgomery is not Ezekiel Elliott. So no matter no, how you break not. that down, overall, I think that the strengths of the Cowboys, and you did talk about Morris Claiborne coming back, and that is big. That's an extra body in that secondary, a very good one, against a Packers team on the offense that's missing their best wide receiver. So I think the Packers give them a fight. I think it's a valiant effort. Um, So you have a Packers at Falcons uh, NFC championship where I have it chalk. Um, Although I'm taking both dogs, I still have chalk. I'm taking Falcons (laughs) at Cowboys. Um, My X factor in this game, I'm going to the losing side, although it would be a winning pick. Ah, right. Mm. Um, With that injury to Jordy Nelson and, and, you've got Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams out there. Um, I, uh, we have to look at Geronimo Allison, uh, who had a couple of huge games when Randall Cobb was absent. So to got that experience being that number three, um, and again, with Claiborne back, he's probably going to be taking his time with one of those top two guys. So if Rogers is going to be able to make some gains, I'm looking at him to go to that number three guy. And, uh, it was, you know, with the, with the good experience of having those couple of, of pretty good games late in the season, maybe they have a little connection there. Going with Geronimo Allison. Geronimo! Uh, the, the interesting thing about our score
0: picks is that you have the Cowboys to run off four touchdowns to get to 28, I presume. But um, well, you never the, know. You uh,
1: get to 28 so many yeah, different
0: ways now. That's true. Uh, I have the Packers getting to 28 and and beating Dallas 20, 27 specifically because I think for the, the, the touchdowns that Aaron Rodgers will find that Dallas will answer with some field goals and Dallas will wind up with more possessions and and scoring uh, and and not, and and having more scoring possessions, having scoring on five possessions, but actually winding up with less points because they're going to settle for the field goals at times when they need to go get the touchdown. Uh, because of that lack of experience. They don't know how in a big spot like this to go get the touchdown. That's, that's my pick. That's what I'm going with. Uh, so we'll see how it all turns out. My X factor uh watching all the Cowboys games that I wound up watch. Uh, there's one guy that kept popping out. They, will run plays every single game to see if they can spring something for this guy named Lucky Whitehead for the Cowboys, uh, who's supposed to be a wide receiver slash kick returner. He's almost more of a running back than anything because the, a lot of the plays they run for him are like jet sweeps and, and uh, reverses and and stuff like that. He had 589 return yards on the season, but only had three catches supposed to be a, a receiver. He only had three catches, but he had 10 rushes on the season. So that shows you what they try to do with him. They try to get some surprises and, and, and spring some trick plays on you. So you will see lucky whitehead at least once or twice uh, as they try to use his speed.
1: When you're going deep cut there. I am. That's like uh, Percy Harvin I'm... in the super bowl. He like touches the ball five times, uh, but ends up being like what I had called in that game, the MVP. Cause every time he touched the ball, it was chunks.
0: That's right. Impact plays. That's, that's what you want.
1: And it's so funny as you're describing Sunday, him. That's all I could keep thinking of when you're talking about jet sweeps <laughs> and not many touches. I thought of Percy Harvard in the Super Bowl, the one they won, of course.
0: Yes. Seattle. Yeah. I don't think he was around for the one they lost. I think he had already worn out his. Uh, no, maybe they, they needed him. <laughs> yeah. The, the missing element. So now on the Sunday night version of. Sunday afternoon? I, I don't know. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Kansas City Chiefs at uh, 8.20 Eastern, as we already discussed. Pittsburgh now at 12-5 and five on the season and Kansas City at 12-4. Uh, Pittsburgh 5-3 on the road, but Kansas City 6-2 at home, so pretty evenly matched there. Uh, Ladarius Green is still concussed. He's not going to be out there for the Steelers. That's a big missing part for, for, the, for the Steelers. He had made some really big gains uh, earlier this year. Uh, The public thinks it's a very close pick as well. I'd actually, I believe the Steelers started the week favored and we're using the we're using the covers.com free handicapping contest line. So in Vegas, they might still be favored on some books or whatever, but the contest says Pittsburgh is now actually a one and a half point underdog at Kansas City. And and. That might even have something to do with the switching uh, of of the times. That maybe the the weather will have cleared out and given more of a of an even chance for 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 the Chiefs. I don't know. You'd have to get in the heads of the people uh, that switched that line over to to
1: Kansas City being favorite to figure out how that works. Yeah, that out. line that line started off as Pittsburgh minus two, but that moved pretty quickly, and it's been stuck at this plus one and a half Pittsburgh. Uh, Line since I wouldn't say maybe about Tuesday, they opened up really quick. And then I don't know what happened if some, you know, somebody started people started looking at that and thinking, Oh, I don't know about that. Kids say he's good at home. This is, you know, Andy Reid coming off of the bye, all the little factors that can start to come into play. That, That number didn't stay with Pittsburgh as a favorite for very long. This moved pretty rapidly. Um, Back to the Chiefs. They did, the Chiefs are already giving, getting the cop-out number here, if you think about it. So even with Pittsburgh plus a point and a half, or KC minus a point and a half, however you want to put it, um, that's a number that still has moved towards Pittsburgh, even if you assume the home team is going to start off at minus three.
0: Yeah, not only are they not getting the
1: cop-out line, they were the dog. They were thought of as yeah. the dog. as uh, at yeah, first. So That's a five-point swing right there right off the bat, off of what you would normally expect, which is you're always going to give the, the home team about three. So that, for that to even start off Pittsburgh minus uh, two means that someone out there was giving a five-point swing to the Steelers right off the bat.
0: And the Steeler love, would it would not surprise me if that wound up a pickup by the time the game actually kicked off as well. Um, people also probably considering... Uh, The week four matchup, this is a rematch of a week four game in which the Steelers absolutely beat the fuck out of the Kansas City Chiefs 43 to 14 in a game that was 22 to nothing in the first quarter and 36 to nothing in the fourth quarter before Kansas City got some garbage time TDs. Just did not compete from the get-go. So this is a different Kansas City Chiefs team uh, than that team, I would think, just because of the speed factor of Tyreek Hill. Uh, but hey, the Steelers, uh, you can't take anything away from how impressive they were last week. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Miami saw the Steelers collapse in the regular season as they beat the Steelers 30-15. to, to, to 15. And the Steelers came back and beat their ass in a rematch last week. Well, KC already got their whooping. So I'm just saying that element is out the window that factor if there was any revenge factor uh that is not there for this game for pittsburgh the revenge factor if there is any it would actually be on the side of the chiefs so that's something maybe to think about pittsburgh's zone coverage has more playmakers than sound defenders uh, i've witnessed that f- for a, a few years now that uh, i don't really like their defensive backs uh, as far as just playing sound coverage uh, i think they'd try to make plays, but they don't really uh, do what they're supposed to do as far as staying home and, and following their assignments. And I think that plays into the Chiefs' hands perfectly because Andy Reid in that weird geometry, he doesn't want you to be at home. He wants you to try to freelance and make some plays so that he can call something weird and have you off balance and, and have something where Alex Smith is rolling left and throws back right and, and gets you completely Confused and not knowing where anyone is is coming from. He loves to play against defenses like that. Kansas city also goes for the big play on defense more so than plays soundly. So it's actually evenly matched in that respect. Uh, I I think Eric Berry and and company uh, I've seen it. I've seen those games where they're just trying to go for the strip or the interception in every single throw and wind up leaving guys wide open and and, making big yards after the catch because they they didn't do what they're supposed to do and wrap up the the, the ball carrier. Uh, so both pass rushes also create opportunities for game-changing defensive play. So you're going to see, I just think you're going to see a really evenly matched game between two teams who probably you don't think of them as too much alike, but I actually think they're a lot like each other, a lot more than people think. Uh, Kansas City, for their part, I think they must miss they must avoid miscommunication uh, and odd play calls against a hungry Pittsburgh defense that's looking to make plays. Because what happens when they do their weird geometry and all of that is sometimes guys aren't where they're supposed to be on the Chiefs' offensive side of the ball and play, and balls go whizzing past someone's head that turned right instead of turning left, and now we got guys looking at each other going, "I thought you were supposed to be over here," and I thought the ball was supposed to be over there. So they got to be careful not to do that because the Steelers will capitalize and take advantage of that. Uh, Seems like Mike Tomlin's over the two point conversion thing. So that is probably a factor in Pittsburgh's favor because they, he was in love with that for uh, the early part of the year, but uh, he got a few games where it backfired on him. He kept chasing that extra point the rest of the way. And I think he's off of that now. I think he's playing it conventional like everybody else, but Who knows? He might bring it out in in another uh, big situation. The matchups look like this. Pittsburgh and their strong run blocking. Of course, Le'Veon Bell, the do-it-all running back against Kansas City, who's had trouble stopping a run ever since that Derrick Johnson injury. So that looks like it's going to go the Steelers' direction. But I actually think the Chiefs' running game against Pittsburgh will have even more success because KC's got – that good run blocking against Pittsburgh who's got the hard hitters, but are maybe out of position a lot of times. And with the different play calls and creative offense, I think Spencer Ware can have a a pretty big day against the Steelers. Pittsburgh's a quick and deep threat passing game with all the guys that they can go deep with with big Ben Roethlisberger against Kansas city who gives up yardage, but they go for the pass defense and the strip and the interception. Uh, Good luck stopping Antonio Brown from getting in the end zone when he wants to, because last week it seemed like he just got there anytime he wanted. But all those other younger, less experienced receivers—if they don't hold on to the ball after they make the catch, they could wind up getting it popped out and and make the big turnover. That might be the big play that that causes uh, the the game to go the Chiefs' way. Kansas City and their unconventional routes and and their speed guys. Uh, when they're throwing the football against Pittsburgh's uh, DBs who aren't exactly fleet-footed, that could go the Chiefs' way as well. And so when you put that together, along with KC's blueprint under Andy Reid, who's 19-2 after a bye week when you combine Philadelphia and Kansas City, uh, including the playoffs, uh, you put that together, and I'm actually going to go with the Chiefs and give the one and a half. I got Kansas City winning a really evenly matched, tight game. I got them 30 to 27, Kansas City.
1: Wow, you got some scoring going on in this game. I've got this game being uh, lower scoring. Uh, we, hey, well, the weather, right? it it, it, it got oh, flexed course. because of the weather. Didn't you know that? Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, yeah uh this is this is really interesting this is not you're not gonna like this but we're going against each other three week three games in division week uh no i don't like that It's not good I for don't me know how, i don't know how excited you are about that but hey it, these are my picks i'm not changing any of these which i feel pretty good about if i'm gonna go out i'm gonna go out for what i picked which all year has been pretty bad um you know i've been about a most of the year, 500, and then that terrible week 17 uh, dragged me just under. But overall, yeah, I pretty much won about what I lost, except you know, and, and in that week 17, kind of did me, and it did both of us in a little bit. That week 17 was just dismal. Um, but no, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Steelers to win. I, I, I like them in this spot. I, you know, I'm not a big fan of this Kansas City defense. Statistically, not a great defense. And I think that the triplets, the, the that three headed monster that you have with Roethlisberger, Bell, and Antonio Brown, is going to be enough to sort of overcome whatever the Chiefs are able to throw out there on defense. Because you don't, because they're so versatile, in the fact that they, they don't need all three of those guys. They, well, I should say they don't need both. They don't need Brown exclusively to beat you, and Bell. You know, they don't need them both. One or the other is good enough. I and mean, we've seen that we saw the game where they went to Buffalo and all they really needed was Le'Veon Bell. You know, and then we've seen game, games like uh, against uh, Baltimore where Antonio Brown wills them into the playoffs on that, you know, he's just not going to be denied and, and reaches over at the last play of the game and, and gets that team uh, to eliminate Baltimore. And then you saw games like last week where they're getting it from both of them. So you get Antonio Brown with the two quick touchdowns, and then, okay, we got the lead. Now we're just going to leave it to Le'Veon Bell, just let him go insane on the ground. And you just don't know where you're going. Yeah, just keep going. Just let him keep going. You don't know where you're going to get it from. So if you get one or the other stopped, you still could lose. And I think that's where Kansas City may end up finding themselves. This is not your typical Andy Reid bye week because they're a number two seed, not typical, especially with this Kansas City team. Usually this is they're playing in wildcard week, and they are uninspiring, and then they lose, although last year they were able to go to Houston and win. Yeah, great. Yeah, good job, guys. You went to Houston, (laughs) and you won a playoff game against Brian Hoyer in one of the worst playoff uh, performances that you'll ever see from a quarterback where he just basically threw the ball to the Chiefs over and over and over again um and that one's bitter for me because i was the dumb idiot who took houston and that's the one that i always pointed at last year is that's the reason i lost to you because i was the idiot who took the texans in well wild, wild card week Um, uh, but no i'm not gonna fall into the You know, love here of Andy Reid and like you talk about with the geometry and all that. I I like Kansas City. I'd almost prefer if Kansas City won um, because I'd like to just see them get rid of the Steelers. I haven't been very, you know, fond of the Steelers. But then there's also that part of me that's like, I I really don't want Kansas City to win because I know what waits for them, which is an annihilation at the hand of the New England Patriots. So I'd much rather have, I guess, Pittsburgh win because I at least know with that offense they could potentially go to New England and we could get a fight. I mean, at least we could get a good old shootout, just back alley brawl, high scoring, you know, last team with the ball is going to go to the Super Bowl type game. I, I don't foresee an end for the Chiefs that's that great. So I I think from just a what I want to see from a good football standpoint, I would much rather see the Chiefs go out here against a superior offensive opponent than go on the road next week and just get destroyed by a superior offensive opponent. So, um, yes, that all factored in for me, you know, the what I want to see happen. But again, all week long. This number has been dancing. Like I said, it danced right away from two for the Chiefs, real quick to that one and a half um, that the Steelers were getting. And I was like, "Yeah, that's still not it." So basically, Kansas City. I mean, of course, they could win by you know one. <laughs> <And> I could, <laughs> I could really sneak out here. You know, that would be awesome. If, if Kansas City could win and I get both outcomes but no I am more likely my more likely scenario is I see Pittsburgh able to to, to win the game I, I just don't know if I trust um if I trust Kansas City you know they're just not dynamic enough and maybe I'm underestimating Tyree kill because he's been great. He's also been great on special teams and he's been the difference maker. If if he doesn't have an explosive type game, if if they're not getting that from Tyree Kill, where where he's, you know, where I believe he had the game where he ran, caught, and had a special teams touchdown all in the same game this year, they need that kind of game from him. And we've seen him out of the backfield or on the sweep type plays or the or the reverse. We've seen him go sixty yards for a touchdown. and, and, you know, and be able to take the top off of a defense. So he's clearly, even though he's not my X factor, he's going to be the difference maker. He's been
0: the chief's X factor for the second half of the year. He has
1: been, but he's the difference maker. He's one of the reasons they are where they are, if not the chief reason (laughs) that they are where they are. Um, Did I stun you uh, there? Hey, hey. Um, I was thinking thanks. I'm gonna go with the Chiefs uh to lose twenty-four to nineteen. Uh on a bad side, I'm going with our buddy the headhunter, Bud Dupree, as my X Factor. No. I worry that his I worry that he's got a little Vontez Perfect in him. I didn't Uh-oh. like what I saw from him even after the headshot. Like you don't go and take off a guy's head and and then act like a dick. And he was kind of doing that the whole rest of the game. So I worry for the Steelers that they could have that type of a guy that could change the game in a negative way for them. I'm watching you, Bud Dupree.
0: Bud Butkus. Uh, my X Factor is uh, Albert Wilson, the wide receiver for the Chiefs, who uh, performs out of the slot, uh, 279 yards and a couple of TDs, 31 catches this season, and – just threw in a 55-yard touchdown run, if you remember that uh, earlier this year. So he's got some X-factor abilities in him as well. You might see him with a jet sweeper or something up the middle uh, when no one would expect Uh, So there we go. Three of the four games this weekend, we are going against each other. So it's going to come down to this weekend, whether we continue on for any kind of marbles next week, we'll we'll still have a show. We'll still make our picks, of course, for the conference finals, but whether you'll be able to catch me in the points competition, uh, it will come down to this weekend. You may be completely eliminated or you may take over and take a a commanding position. chunk here you would be if you won all three of those head to head matchups on me and took nine points for this weekend that would actually put you uh two and one ten so basically three points behind me at that point and absolutely in striking distance uh, to, to come catch me and make a, a miracle comeback and win this season so no pressure on me
1: so you're saying that right now we're at, what, 11, 11.1 points?
0: That's right. I'm at 114.5 and you're at
1: 103.4. Uh, okay, so I could potentially still win two of these games and lose one to you and not be mathematically eliminated. Still be alive. That's right. Because it actually, either way, if I win all three or if I win two, it almost ends up being the same. Although if I win all three and I sneak a game from you in the uh, championship round, I'm in the lead, which means I'm then picking. I have the right to pick the Super Bowl and you have to disagree with me. Um, But, yeah, I guess either way, if I can if I can at least just get I got to get three points. That's the key. So I've got to get three somewhere here. Um because that gets me within nine. And that's the magic number. Because even though, I mean, there's 13 points left. <laughs> so even if I just, even if let's say we like split on two and the Patriots and the Texans push, and I'm still 11 points behind you, I'm not done. I just have to disagree with you. I have to expect you to blow it the whole rest of the year. <laughs>
0: just how the playoffs started, that you were expecting me to blow it and and have to make this miraculous comeback based on me just completely
1: gagging it up. So uh, I'm trying not to do that this weekend. I I feel better about this because at least, like I said, if I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose. I completely agreed with you last week on my picks. So you and I had the same picks last week. It wasn't that I strategically picked the exact same thing that you had. That's what I had, and you had the same thing I had. We saw it lockstep. Boom! It made no sense for me to just try to figure out which one I'm going to disagree with you with because I could have just been wrong and put myself in a worse bind. But at least this week we disagree on our picks. It's my picks against your picks, and we're just going to see how it how it falls. You know, and if I if I get a chunk back from you, hey, it's a game again. This is why we have a playoff system that makes it interesting you could just completely annihilate me in the regular season and all of a sudden i'm two points behind you and you just heard
0: two hours of us explaining our positions on those four games in which we're making our exact picks exactly what we want so it's up to you the dear listener to decide which one made the more compelling argument So are, we well, or, uh, yeah, I, I are we doing any kind of after show or, uh, yeah,
1: I know you're hoping as you, are we doing any kind of after show you want my, to wrap it up? Is my, this is my week. <laughs> Just remember. It's my week. It's a week. So if I'm going to go I out, I got to go out in division week. You gotta, you gotta slay the dragon. That's what you gotta do. If you're going to take me out now, you gotta do it.
0: I do not feel good about being against you three or four games on division week. That's, that's for sure. Um, uh, <laughs> there's been
1: nervous. a historical trend, it's been a historical trend of us over the years that this has always sort of been that one where you had to sort of you had to basically your seasons were just survive the division round, um, and you were fine. And if this is one of those where all of a sudden we look up next week and I, I go four and zero in the division round and you're two point one, you don't feel real safe at two point one. I'm thinking.
0: No, you're you're gonna have to get me off the ledge if that happens because i'm gonna be yeah. feeling like jumping at that point
1: right because at 2.1 that's just that's the strategy do i just punt and be like ah eh, you know i'll just, just, just let the super you bowl lose the super bowl pick yeah i'll just do it i'll just do a. will <laughs> just call a i'll just call a garbage time touchdown uh no oh. <laughs> one, of your, one of your most famous losses ever. I'll just Oh, the Eagles are going to get a garbage-time touchdown and cover the number. Against Tom Brady and the Patriots. Against Tom Brady and the Patriots. And there's Donovan McNabb throwing it to Greg. Was it Greg Lewis with the garbage-time touchdown? So, the hole. One of our most, <laughs> he, may, he may need to be because that has got to be one of our most infamous finishes to a season. Having you know you lose the whole season, all I had to do was disagree with you, which I had to take the opposite opposite position no matter what the 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 part that hurt the most for you was that I predicted the manner in which you were going to lose more than just disagreeing with you it wasn't that I beat you or you lost it was that I told you exactly how you were going to lose, and then that's the way you lost.
0: Uh, you have the honors this year for the, the hall of infamy so you can add I into your've already of got possibilities, a list. I guess. Uh, I've guess.
1: i already got a list so you know when 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 I need to do my work i do my work and uh, you know, i've got my i got honors and dishonors coming up in less than a month and uh that's our like our last real sort of football show before the draft you know because we'll do um actually we do the honors and dishonors the week before the Super Bowl if I'm not mistaken that's right um, brain's a little, I'm a little tired. I had a long day, I had a rough day, too. Um, uh, no so kidding. yeah, that's the week that's coming up in two weeks. So you got the conference championships, honors, and dishonors, and we got the Super Bowl, um, and the Super Bowl recap. That Super Bowl recap right. is sort of the end for us before the draft. So, all right, hey, and Berman's retiring, we might not have to watch him on the draft.
0: Oh. Lord, thank you, Jesus.
1: We haven't talked about uh, that at all. He's done. Although I bet you they I bet you they wheel him out for the draft.
0: You probably. Well, I thought I was reading that he's definitely not going to do the home run derby. If I thought they would wheel him out for anything, I thought it would be that. <laughs> all that garbage. Uh, he might be gone, gone. It might be completely wow. the end for him. Although, but that kind of scares me, because who do you think could possibly be doing the draft if it's not going to be him now?
1: That kind of scares yeah, this me. This is the issue with ESPN because ESPN has just sort of been like hemorrhaging. I won't say talent, or if nah, I say it, I'll say it in air talent. quotes. Yeah. Air quotes, talent, talent. Uh, yeah, ESPN has been sort of just you know, and I they, they guess Mike and Mike's getting canceled, or they're, they're, that's breaking up. Um, yeah, Berman Berman's gone. Uh, they've they lost all of their first and pizza people. You know those people are all starting <laughs> to leave,
0: but it's all about embrace debate because they moved that show to to the main network. It's oh. not on ESPN two anymore.
1: But oh, so now uh, you got what? Uh, screaming
0: A and uh, no, yeah, Screaming A and and Max Kellerman are now on the on the yeah. main show. So in the morning when I watch Sports Center, now I have to flip to ESPN two to keep watching Sports Center because they put the 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 Screaming guys in your face whether you want them there or not.
1: You know, and I, I, I remember way back in the original Around the Horn days. You know, when Max Kellerman was the host. Um, that's a long time ago. <laughs> a long by time the way, but that ago. was that's the if anybody, but a lot of not a lot of people probably remember that Max Kellerman was the original host of that show. And I much preferred that show. I think I actually liked him better than I've ever liked uh, Tony Reali. Um, I feel so bad for him having to sit there opposite Stephen A. Smith. Uh, it's just such a bad format that you basically are f- almost forced to take the, the opposite opinion of Stephen A. Smith, and you saw the same thing with Skip Bayless or any of these guys, where they just have these ridiculous takes on stuff, and they're just so over the top with their with their opinions. And the whole point of the show is that you have the the, the counterpoint. You don't very rare, very rarely do you see anybody ever agree. So it's such a fake debate. That's the problem. They talk about embrace debate. It's fake. It's like you and embrace. I don't just sit here and disagree for the sake of disagreeing. When we disagree, we disagree. We really disagree. And when we agree, Indeed. we agree. <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with agreeing. Or there's nothing wrong with somebody saying something and making a well thought out point and having the other person expand on that. And go, well, yeah, I I think that too. Or I think that for different reasons. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just basically got to be, oh, I think this. And the other person going to go, you're an idiot. That's not debate.
0: <laughs> That's what happened is they took the idea of let me play devil's advocate, even though I kind of agree. And they took that and made it into – I think that's completely wrong, and you're an idiot. And this is, blah, 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 blah. yeah. I don't know why. I don't know what the what the market is, but I don't know who watches that or who wants to see that. But, but apparently a lot of people do. Uh,
1: we don't. It, we definitely it's so,
0: don't.
1: It's so sad it's with Stephen A. Smith because and, occasionally Stephen A. Smith seems to have these moments of calm and clarity. They're very short, and they're very fleeting but apparently occasionally he gets where he makes a, a like a well thought out comment you can see he's thinking through and and saying something and then it's like that just it just something in his brain goes oh i can't do this i'll get fired if i'm <laughs> if i'm articulate and well thought out i have to all of a sudden just start blowing up and screaming and yeah you, you know but and it's amazing because sometimes, or if you see him interviewed in that not in not that setting, he's not the same guy. Where everything is just yelling and screaming, he's actually like normal. And you find out, hey, this guy actually knows a lot about sports. He's not just an, an idiot. He's not Skip Bayless. You know, he's he, he's he's he actually does know. And it's that's what's sort of said, then of course, like I said, they got they got Max Kellerman across from him, who's sort of the de facto white guy that has to take the that's that's the. That's mm-hmm. the thing, right? That's the thing on yeah. all these shows now. It's a formula. Um that's the yeah, that's the thing. Wait a minute. Is that a <laughs> hypocritical is that our that's our format. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's not hypocritical. We were doing it first. We were doing it in nineteen
0: eighty oh, fucking true. two. <laughs> uh,
1: we've yeah, never we talked just, about we this we before, but we just know the exact we just happen to be a white guy and a black guy. We you know that but it's not one of those where like we were paired together right. by someone sitting in an office somewhere, going, "Hey, we gotta get this guy. We gotta get this guy. We gotta get Jason Whitlock and Colin Cowherd for Christ's oh, sake, God, to argue. Oh, or we and gotta get the
0: other shows: Skip Bayless and Skip
1: Shannon Sharpe Sharp. <laughs> <a> <laughs> or or we have to get Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman, and a random rapper.
0: <laughs> and now guests debating. Lil Wayne,
1: huh? Wow. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah, I, yeah, so wait, so you were about to bring up something.
0: We never talked about screaming a who sometimes makes the mistake of starting an interview calmly and trying to make a rational point and then turning into screaming a by the middle of, of whatever he's saying. Yeah. We never talked about that before, but I've noticed the exact same thing that sometimes he okay. actually starts a minute, to make up. You a can't point agree with
1: me, you got to tell me I'm an idiot, and he never does that. You're not following. Okay, you're the You're a
0: dumbass for suggesting that. And here's why, because screaming a is screaming a for a reason. He screams all the time. He never. Did. No, I, I I noticed it, too. He actually starts making a decent point and then like a light switch comes on and goes, wait, I can't I, I can't keep sounding calm like this because I can hear the TV sets yeah. clicking off. Now I have to go into screaming a mode. And let me tell you, so this guy is awful. This guy, I tell you what, Lamarcus Aldridge can't hold my jacha. It just, it just switches in the middle of the interview and it's ridiculous. Like he, how do you not see that people can see how phony you are looking? How do you not feel that? But that's what he does. And we never talked about that before. But I've, I've absolutely noticed that as well. He's not the only person right. on ESPN that does that. You know, who did that for years before him? Who started sounding calm and rational and then had to flip a switch because he could feel himself getting less interesting and decided, oh wait, I gotta go back into my crazy mode. Dick Vitale does Dick Vital. Well. Dick Vital. We both just said Dick Vital at the <laughs> same time. And I hate that he does that because he also can make some very interesting, valid points about yeah. basketball. He knows more basketball than, than either one of us will ever know. But eventually he has to go, Oh, I got to start sounding like this again because this is what everyone came to hear. Oh, dookie baby. Coach K look at the dookie. So it's just right in the middle of a <laughs> sentence, which and turned into that big by town is so irritating people. We I, I wish this would just be who they are instead of having to turn yeah. into a character. It's so frustrating.
1: Yeah, we, we've, we, this has been a good week for sports media on our show. We started off just totally uh, destroying Joe Buck and the, and, and no. the papers and the, the thing with the boat. And, and now here we are, we're just killing the, uh, the whole debate centric, uh, thing that sort of just, it's, it is a, it is a, a, a de evolving, it is a, a of the actual concept of of people like almost on like a panel type setting, you see the same thing. I mean, it's no different. This is this this wasn't started by ESPN. This was started by your like MSNBC and Fox News. And all they did, all they did was take that format. Let's get point point counterpoint to fight with each other. Let's get, let's get the Republican and the Democrat, the white and the, and the white black. black. Let us foster some hatred and 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 then. Turn, on the, Turn on the camera. It's, it's, it's Jerry Jerry, here. All, all of stuff. that stuff. We're just getting, We're just getting, getting it out now, of finally, over the last years, few years, it's see some more sports. sports. Uh, uh, but in the most ridiculous ways, obviously, I'm going to come as ridiculous as possible, possible. And, and, defend and defend it. it. And, and, and sometimes i and going to tell you what I am. Come on. It's predictable. That's the problem. Original, originally, it was maybe more unpredictable, but now it's got to be predictable.
0: It feels it, like it, they listen to no, a lot of you, know, you know No
1: other person just going to the other point. It, and it's, and it's, it's politics. Politics. It really is. It you, is, know, is it you know, is, there's some hot, hot topic that right. comes out and we have to remember, to it first, or jumps, jumps on over, over, and it. then the other party is the opposite.
0: It feels like somebody was sitting around listening to a, bu- a couple of New York blowhards uh, debate the politics on the radio uh 15 or 20 years ago and said, "Hey, what if we put that on TV debating sports? That'd be awesome." That's what it feels like. It's, it, it took all the garbage that they heard on the radio and decided it would make a good TV show and and this right. is what we're stuck with. And what and, and what's missing
1: from the show, which is sort of what I've always admired about Uh, PTI, we've always talked about, hey, we were them before they were them, doing what we've been doing. We just didn't do it on the radio, but that's sort of the way we were, is even if we disagreed, you always sense, and that's why I can watch that show stills, you you sense that there's a friendship between Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon. They're lifelong friends. They weren't friends alone together. They don't, and they don't disagree for the sake of disagreeing. It's not a manufactured thing where we're just going to take a blowhard and a blowhard to sort of duke it out they have the capacity to agree, which makes it more interesting when they disagree.
0: Because it's actually authentic. And exactly. what has been so frustrating about Wilbon's sort of the heel turn the last couple of years into now I'm going to be <laughs> the, the guy that says black people don't enjoy sports uh, with all this statistics and numbers. And so we don't
1: get into all of that stuff. We just go with our eyes
0: because I know that was dumb.
1: Actually- that was, that was dumb. Uh, that was bad because I know you took that offensively because he he basically said I'm a black person <laughs> and that, no right because think about what we do with football you're the the stat geek for football and I'm the total I pass in the eye test I go by the feel I I do process history I do have a very good memory when it comes to things so I'll sometimes. You know, I'll slap together an analogy sometimes to something. You know, oh, yeah, you know, did, I'll put together something that way where you're looking at the stats. You're looking at raw numbers where, where with baseball, I'm like because of the fantasy league, right where I'm like the total stat geek, you know. Um, but, yeah, that's that. I, I totally get what you're saying. I know you took offense to that with your background being so statistically driven that he it was not just that he was insulting a whole race, his whole race of people, but a whole race of people nonetheless, and you at the same time,
0: just driving all progress back
1: twenty or thirty years, and it felt and like he started a race thing, like black people or any race of people. Because you can say it about any race of people. It's dumb to say that. Well, you know, us us, us black folks us us we don't care about numbers. We don't care about saying it's math. Come on, you know we're stupid. That's basically so what he's getting all that book learning. Yeah. <laughs> It felt like he did that in response
0: to sort of the – this is back when Skip Bayless uh, was starting to negotiate and leave and wound wound up getting however many millions of dollars from FS1 to jump ship. It felt like Wilbon was almost doing that in response to that. It's sort of, okay, I got to fill the void now. There's a void on ESPN for the really stupid opinion out there, and I (laughs) got to fill the void and be that guy. It felt like he was almost auditioning to be the next – uh, uh, Skip Baylor's or the the co-hosts from the other side yeah. of screaming A before Max Kellerman decided uh, before he got the gig. It, it, that's what it felt like to me. I don't think he actually believes half of what he said, but he was just trying to fill a role and be a character. And that's just—it's right. it, nauseating. It's just absolutely nauseating. Or, be yourself,
1: or it's or and I'm not, not going to defend anybody. Or in its, in its maybe in its best form, he said something and didn't articulate it exactly quite the way he wanted to. So it comes off dumb and disingenuous and it, maybe it wasn't his original intent or what he was trying to say, but that's one of those where the words are coming out and you can't stop yourself. That was like my car tonight. <laughs> I'm hitting the brakes, but I can't <laughs> stop. You know?
0: Lubon got on ice and started sliding. Yeah. that's... Uh, I can't give him that benefit of the doubt because he sat down and wrote an entire column, yes. with that exact same oh, position, oh, and it. backed okay, it up with "quote unquote" yeah. research, where he <laughs> went into barber shops <laughs> and talked to black people in barber shops about, "Do y'all look at numbers when you watch sports?" Hell no, oh, man. No, we don't no. look at all of them numbers. I'm like, oh my god. He was one step away from grabbing a piece of fried chicken and sitting there and doing the that. Doing that, that
1: he was one he step pulled- away he pulled what I will affectionately call a reverse Whitlock. (laughs) Jason Whitlock's out there actively just looking for racism. And I've always had that opinion that if you just go looking for something, if that's your starting position and that's what you expect to find, you find what you expect to find. So that's, he finds it, he finds it everywhere. Wilbon was sort of doing it in reverse. He was looking internally and not looking for racism but he was again looking for he had a position right that was ludicrous and looked for the evidence to support it except he was doing it not in a racist way but he was doing it as like a a stereotyping you know which is you know it's easier to call it stereotyping i guess if you're doing it of you know, I can't call it racism. You can you be black and racist against blacks? I don't think so, right? Or <laughs> well, that would be really weird. I, I don't know. So I would call it a stereotyping. He he lumped he had an opinion maybe from something he's seen around him, but he stereotyped an entire race of people off of an extremely limited knowledge base and then went and backed it up in the most ridiculous way possible.
0: What was the Dave Chappelle uh, role of the racist of the black blind guy who was a Klansman because he didn't oh, know yeah. he was black was like Clayton Bigsby <laughs> right. or whatever? So maybe that's what Woba <laughs> was trying to do. I don't know. I, I can't explain. It. Yeah, you, can't, oh, hey, no, it you
1: can't really attach a racism to it. So let's call it it, it was stereotyping. He stereotyped in this case, his race, but he could have done this to we could have done this to whites, Asians, Mexicans, whatever. He he could have taken that same argument. And use it against another race or a group of people. It doesn't have to be a race. It could be men, women, you know, gays, whatever. He could have just used that, had nothing to stand on, and then found the most ridiculous way to support his position, which is what he did, the least scientific way possible.
0: The similarity between that and Whitlock is that they both took a ridiculous, ignorant position, doubled down on it when criticized, and as a result, lost credibility as far as i'm concerned i, I don't really think either one I yeah. don't take either one of them seriously anymore
1: no no and then when you find out that you know you all of a sudden i haven't seen the commercials for it i don't know if it flamed out but when you saw that fs1 had a show with colin cowherd debating jason whitlock i was like we have reached this is been the deer <laughs> this is as low as we could possibly get this is like the mariana's trench of sports talk media and we're there right now this is the abyss there's no coming back uh we've we've unlocked pandora's box we are just forever now going to take the most ridiculous white guy and the most ridiculous black guy and we're going to slap them together and it and just watch it burn <laughs> that's what they've done and it's just continuing
0: but that brings me back to the ESPN uh NFL draft coverage as if they thought Berman Wait, well, for all these years was a good about? idea. What were we talking about? This
1: is about? where we started. This is where it started. Kings so very of non-sequitur. Very good. You tied it together. You put the, you're put you putting the bow on it right now. I like that. And if they thought that stick of Berman for all these years was a good idea, now he's done, who
0: do they get to replace him?
1: That's kind of frightening. Oh, God. Okay. If I have to make a, yeah, because you think about it, is it gonna be one of these schlubs that they have doing Sports Center? I mean, is it gonna be like was it gonna be like Scott Van Pelt or something like that? Or he's too intelligent. I don't think it's gonna be
0: him. <laughs> he's like the one smart guy there.
1: He's the last one. He's the last bastion of intelligence.
0: Yeah, ever um, since they ran off Oberman, yeah. he's like the last intelligent yeah. guy left.
1: Or because everything now has to be socially engineered. It's like, well, we've had Berman men in the desk for the last 20-plus years, and he's a white guy. Now we need a mixed-race, black, Asian woman. Transgender.
0: <laughs> Caitlin Jenner, ladies and gentlemen, hosting the uh,
1: NFL draft.
0: <laughs> no, you, you actually, I think... May have hit on it. They got some black women that that every yeah. now and then show up doing sports center. They might throw one of them up there and,
1: and call it diversity and and you know, but that's carry, the, but champion. you know what I mean? it's, it's their... like. Everything now has to be the social experiment. Everything has to be well, if it was a white guy, now it's got to be a woman or it's got to be you get know, a the... lot of mothballs.
0: Is she still around? I haven't seen her in a long time. I think I don't, I don't think she's fired, but I don't, but they. They took her off of the the uh, NBA coverage uh, because my wife always liked her, and you never know she'd be knocked out that she's not doing that anymore. Might be knocked up again.
1: You know, or we could end up with like uh, like uh, Rachel Nichols or something like that on the desk, or or maybe Susie. Maybe they get Susie out to do the draft, right?
0: No, that's not going to happen.
1: What? They're not going. Susie's like the original. I'm trying to sound like a dude with my fake enthusiasm. Right. She's like the original sportscaster for that. You got to get her out for that, right? Yeah,
0: and, and I actually they love can't her get for Stewart that. Kickin' Scott, they can't get uh, Booyah. No, I don't think he he's going
1: to be. Well, <laughs> can you believe the hype? Can you believe all this Oh god. Here's why they're I'm not going to Su- I'm, Su- I'm Su- never going to forgive there. Stu for the decisions. Okay.
0: <laughs> You're not going to bring Susie Colbert out into an audience of NFL draft crazies in Philadelphia. It was Chicago. I think this year is going to be Philadelphia. You're not bringing her out there in the middle of that because now you're going to have 10,000 people making uh, uh, Joe Namath jokes and everyone, I want to kiss you, Susie. all in the middle (laughs) of everything.
1: She's not going to be the one on the stage doing the the cream puff interviews like Dion when you watch it on NFL network.
0: Up there on the dais with uh, with Ber- where Berman used to sit up there uh, near the crowd, yeah. close enough to where the crowd can see her. It's going to be three hours of "Hey, Susie, I want to kiss
1: you." Uh, no, they're not going to do. That. They're not going <laughs> to. I love Susie this. We're trying to predict who's going to man the desk for the draft. Although I'm going to stick with my original prediction that it's Berman.
0: <laughs> oh
1: God! At least <laughs> for day one, gonna, you can't let it go. For day one, for day one. Wow. It'll be, oh, I'm back, you know. You know how it'll be. I'm just saying that's my bold prediction. Day one of the draft will be Berman, and then whoever's going to sort of take over the reins will do day two.
0: I'm going to go not as specific. Uh, I'm going to cheese out and and bitch out and and say it's going to be a random chick. I'm going to go with your, your general idea of, Diversity and we're gonna m- go a different mixed direction. Race,
1: Asian, black, transgender.
0: <laughs> I don't know which chick it's gonna be, but it's gonna be one of, I my, it's gonna be Shelly Smith or Wendy yeah. Nix
1: or uh, one of the black ones whose oh, names I don't remember. God. I don't, well they I had they had the one they had the one chick chick maybe sounds so PC. They had the one yeah, I don't know. woman doing the 5 p.m. sports center and she's disappeared. Um which one? There's so many. The blonde. She was the blonde. The long-haired blonde one, like this, the way-too-skinny one, like they all are. Oh, uh,
0: Lindsay Zarniak. Yeah. yeah. When you say way-too-skinny, yeah, Lindsay. She she might be <laughs> knocked up, too. Uh, she <laughs> likes to get knocked up. She's uh, She's been preggers,
1: I think, two she's times in the last, like, two years. Or
0: four years.
1: Well, she's going to be on the Weather Channel soon. <laughs> just perpetually knocked up on the Weather Channel.
0: I don't watch the Weather Channel. I did not know that.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Something about you know it's weather. funny
1: because that used to be part of uh that that was actually uh when he was doing stand-up, that was part of Bill Cosby's routine. Makes Uh-oh. me wonder if he was hanging around the weather channel, you know, just saying
0: Okay. All right, it's one AM local
1: time, and that's a perfect <laughs> time to uh to get out of here when you
0: start going to Bill Cosby. When I meeting.
1: start when I start to yeah, when I start to uh channel the cause, you know, talking about the the, the weather channel. You're putting pot- Ooh! <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are loopy. Okay. Um, I'm I'm it's glad you're okay this morning. Yeah,
1: I'm glad you're okay from your accident. Everything worked out. So. Well, I mean, it was the the, the the most slow motion crash you could ever be in.
0: <laughs> oh shit!
1: Yeah, I can yeah. imagine it now. All right. So. Three games for
0: divisional round oh, weekend is pretty much uh, yep. all on the line.
1: I'll either live to fight another day, or you'll be the you'll be crowned the champion.
0: He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been a crazy edition of, in much less detail, the podcast. Everybody enjoy your what is it? The double doubleheader as, as we go to our baseball of terms. The the, the double Twynite doubleheader. Uh, of the day game yeah. followed by the night game and Jason you heard it yeah. here first he says this will be a trend this will be what they do this is the this, lat- this is the
1: death of the Sunday noon game on division <laughs> round week forget it they are gonna pull such a huge number on Sunday night this is it it's done NBC is forever going to have that game be the 720 start it's over look it right here call it now done
0: You heard it here
1: first. Everybody enjoy your
0: playoff football, and we will talk to you next week.